For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. And welcome to the Neil Prandeville Show on this Monday morning, the 31st of July. This is Mick Mulcahy filling in for Neil. And straight to the morning papers. Three of the papers cover the Big Hawk story of the weekend, the library story. The Daily Mail has library staff terrified of anti-LGBT protesters. And the Examiner's front page has British far-right members attend Cork library protests. Paul Hosford and Owen English uh, reporting there and call to stop introducing hatred and division in Cork, uh, says the Echo this evening. A local anti-racism group has called for the far right to stop introducing hatred and division as Cork City Library was forced, forced to close during demonstrations in the city centre on Saturday. It's very prominent on social media as well. But Union Forza has held a meeting of their members from libraries across the country for the first time over fears anti-LGBT disturbances will expand to more areas. A library in Cork was forced to, uh, forced to close on Saturday after a banner was mounted by protesters across the entrance without permission, the latest in a series of protests over LGBT reading material. Cork City Library on Grand Parade said the decision to close was taken in the interests of safety as well as being of the public uh, the well-being of the public and library staff. Head of local services at Forza, Richie Carruthers, said they called a meeting at short notice this week because of the ongoing threat posed by far-right agitators and actors in libraries. Mr Carruthers told the Irish Daily Mail, people are anxious and they want to feel safe in their workplace and they want their employers to step up to the plate. People connected with previous protests at libraries have posted online to say they're going on a tour of Ireland from next month to protest LGBT literature that they claim is grooming children. From Limerick to Leitrim and beyond, one post from a regular protester warned. And a spokesman for Angarda Siakona said the force does not comment on speculation on potential events that may or may not occur. The spokesman added this is a constitutional right to the freedom of assembly and freedom of speech subject to statutory provisions on Garda Shiakana has no role in permitting or authorising public gatherings. There is no permit or authorisation required for such events. A decision as to whether any event takes place rests solely with the organisers. But staff at libraries in Cork City, Tralee, Drogheda and Swords in recent months have been confronted by protesters uh, objecting to the availability of books uh, on the uh, subject of LGBT and issues surrounding, which they have called pornographic. Um, a request was made by Cork City Library staff that the banner be removed on Saturday. This is part of their statement uh, and uh, reported in the Examiner. This request was refused and resulted in an escalation of a tense situation. Having liaised with Angarda Siakana, it was decided it would be unsafe for library staff to attempt to remove the banner. And more on that... Uh, with our Lord Mayor in a few minutes on the Neil Prendeville Show. Event Centre is on the way, huh? So is Christmas. We'll see a few Christmases before we see the Event Centre, I'd say. Was it 2014 that the then Taoiseach Enda Kenny turned the sod? Coming up on the 10-year anniversary now, Donald O'Keefe reporting on the front page of the Echo that the Chief Executive of Cork City Council has said she believes the long-awaited Event Centre will be up and running within three years in time for the 10th anniversary of the now infamous 2016 sod turning. My apologies, I thought it was 2014. Open to correction there, but 2016 it would seem. Yeah, Anne Doherty, who has been Cork City's chief executive since 2014, was asked by the Echo if she thought we'd have an event centre by 2026. Yeah, I do, absolutely, she said. 
uh, noting that the project likely to have a construction period of approximately two years. Ms. Doherty said there had always been gateways in the project, milestones at which decisions had to be made. Locked out of society by ever-rising rents. Also reports the Echo Sarah Horgan reporting that rising rents in Cork have sparked fears that more people will be forced into homelessness. The latest data from the Central Statistics Office shows the average weekly rent uh, to a private landlord in Cork in April 2022 was €252. That's a 40% increase on 2016. That's per week now, €252. Cork Simon Campaigns and uh, Communications Manager Paul Sheehan said that rent coupled with high living costs have locked many people out of society. If you're stuck in a homeless shelter now, the chances of you leaving are very slim, Mr Sheehan said. Until you find a place to live that you can afford, you're not going to have that fresh start. You are effectively locked out of society and your life is absolutely on hold. The number of people moving out of the shelters into rented accommodation is in the single digits. You hear of it so rarely that it's not even on people's radars anymore. There's a plan to deal with the East Cork shipwreck, which is long overdue, says the examiner this morning, the remaining bow section uh, of the MV Alta, which is now pretty much just all that's left. Audrey Hora, environment correspondent, reporting that authorities have been urged to deal once and for all with a ghost ship that has blighted the East Cork coast since washing up before the COVID-19 pandemic struck. A report on what to do with the MV Alta is long overdue from the Department of Transport and Cork County Council. Consultants were paid more than €36,000 in 2022 to carry out a health and safety assessment of the wreck, which washed onto rocks near Ballycotton in East Cork after Storm Dennis struck Ireland in February 2020. Let's go back to the mail. New unprovoked attack exposes a city under siege. We're talking about Dublin here, but a man was hospitalised after daytime city centre assault as further pressure mounts on the minister to take action. Another shocking daytime assault in Dublin city centre left a young man hospitalised with the capital now blighted by unprovoked attacks. The latest incident comes amid mounting pressure on Justice Minister Helen McEntee to control the situation. A confidential Garda report uh, obtained by the Mail has led to claims that Dublin has now become a city under siege. And uh, Michael McGrath might be planning a boost for low-paid workers. Uh, this has been mentioned uh, in the Mail today and some speculation surrounds it. But it looks as though he's considering something that would uh, see low-paid workers getting €2,000 under a radical new refundable tax credit scheme. Finance Minister Michael McGrath is believed to be closely examining the potential of the scheme, which would help struggling taxpayers and no doubt help uh, in any upcoming election. Wonder when that will be called. Leo Varadkar has uh, ruled out an early election, but Taoiseach always do, don't they? Um, it can happen, um, you know, with uh, with coalitions that the uh, elections will have to be called. But for now, Leo Varadkar ruling out an early election. Sons visit the scene of attack on U.S. tourists. The Mail is also reporting on the visit by the two sons of a U.S. tourist who was assaulted in Dublin. They visited the scene where their father was seriously injured. Stephen Termini, who was 57 from New York, was attacked at the corner of Store Street and Talbot Street in Dublin city centre on the 19th of July. His sons, Michael and Jesse Rizzuto, flew from the US to be by their father's bedside. Uh, quite talkative as well, a couple of characters. And uh, at the weekend, Michael shared an image of his brother and himself standing in the exact spot where their father was assaulted and saying things like, 
It'll take more than this to keep us down. So a very resolute family. The number of Gardaí hurt on duty hits 55 this year. The Irish Daily Star reporting that 55 Gardaí have been injured as a result of assaults while on duty uh, in the Dublin metropolitan area this year so far. Thank you for the music. Sinead O'Connor continuing to make lots of column inches in this morning's papers. Uh, Bob Geldof tells of anguish over his good friend. And fans sing, it was lovely, I thought, for the star at uh, Croker and uh, memorial events. Bob Geldof led a series of emotional tributes to Sinead O'Connor. In honour of the iconic singer, the Boomtown Rats frontman revealed his anguish over the death of his very good friend. But told fans, there's no other option uh, but to keep on going. GEA Chiefs yesterday played Nothing Compares to You on the screen at Croke Park before the All-Ireland Final. And fans also held events in Dublin and Limerick. The Green Fan Zone uh, is some site. Uh, our team is up against Nigeria, of course. The uh, ladies on at 11 o'clock this morning Irish time. And Irish fans are turning out in their hundreds in Brisbane uh, to cheer on the girls in green ahead of their World Cup swan song against uh, Nigeria. It'll be their final game. Uh, it'll take place at 11 o'clock today at the Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane before the team flies back home. An Irish takeover of the official FIFA fan zone in Brisbane's South Bank Parklands was organised by the Irish-Australian Support Association of Queensland. And we'll watch that match with interest. Back to the Independent. Aer Lingus is to recruit 90 pilots over the next five years. Aer Lingus is reopening its pilot recruitment programme offering 90 aspiring pilots the opportunity to train and work with the airline. This is the first time since 2019 that the company is running its intensive pilot training program. Aer Lingus will begin accepting online applications from now until August 16th. The program will span the next five years and is fully sponsored by the airline. It'll recruit 18 candidates in this year's round. And Lynn Emberton, Aer Lingus chief executive, said the Aer Lingus Future Pilot Program opens a world of opportunity for the next generation of pilots who will join our airline. Aer Lingus's transatlantic expansion and Dublin hub growth strategy means there are opportunities for new Aer Lingus trained pilots to join our team of captains and first officers uh, currently flying to over 80 European destinations. That makes uh, some of the morning papers today. I'm reading it from the uh, Independent. What about this one? Squeezy jet. A flyer was stuck in first class, uh, staying with the airline stories. Uh, but a man had to be lifted out by a hoist. A Toby air passenger got wedged in his first-class seat for three hours after his plane landed. The man realised he couldn't budge following a six-and-a-half-hour flight. British Airways crew members could not shift him either. Emergency services had to be called. A door had to be taken out of the cabin so that the traveller uh, could be freed using a hoist. Now, a BA insider said the passenger was absolutely mortified. It's astonishing because the seats are the most spacious available. But it was as embarrassing as it could get for him, especially when a door in the cabin had to be removed. It sounded funny, but actually people felt sorry for him. It was abject humiliation in front of hundreds of disbelieving passengers as he sat wedged in his first-class seat. Munching eggs apparently cracks down on bad moods. as a 60% reduction in aggression uh, in men who ate eggs. Eating eggs can regularly... Uh, uh, sorry, regulate a person's mood and make them less angry. A study has found the body uses a compound inside the eggs to make serotonin, the chemical that makes us feel happy. So researchers believe the amino acid uh, tritophan is the key after tests on men saw aggression reduced by up to 60%. Uh, Shock ice 
Look at this one. An ice cream parlour is making hundreds and thousands of fans with quirky flavours like <clears throat> Branston Pickle, Heinz Ketchup and Warburton's Crumpets. People are queuing up for the bizarre varieties at €4 Euro a scoop or €16, Euro, uh, up to €18 Euro for a 500ml tub. Uh, you can check that out in the sun today. Uh, Cardi, don't take the mic, says the mirror today. The concerning trend of gig goers throwing missiles at artists during their performances could hopefully soon be a thing of the past. It certainly will be if any more stars react like rapper Cardi B did. The star had a drink chucked over her while she was performing at Dry's Beach Club in Las Vegas. And quick as a flash, she launched her microphone at the fan who threw it. While violence isn't the best way, of course, to handle these situations, uh, this clash comes after uh, Bibi Rexha had a phone lobbed in her face while Harry Styles regularly has to duck to avoid missiles. You can't really blame the celebs for having enough of it. That was in the morning papers at 21 minutes past nine. You're listening to Court's number one talk show. I just think he's a brilliant interviewer. The Neil Prenderville Show on Court's Red FM. And straight to our phone lines and to Lord Mayor Kieran McCarthy. Good morning, Lord Mayor. Hi, Mick. How are you doing? I'm good. Now, clear actions of uh, heightened harassment uh, by a very small minority caused the uh, City Library on the Grand Parade to be closed over the weekend. So that was closed on health and safety reasons. There was a big banner. Uh, it's all over social media and appears in yeah. some, some of the papers. And, yeah. of course, people would have to walk under this banner. Uh, and that was the concern. It might fall. It might injure somebody. Uh, closure had to be affected. But uh, it wasn't just the banner, really. A lot, a lot of the... Uh, uh, the harassment of, uh, of protesters. And it was a two-sided protest, let's, let's be fair. Can you shed any light on what happened? Yeah, I suppose there's a context as well. I mean, a few months ago, there was maybe four to five individuals entered Cork City Library asking for the removal of a, of a, of a certain book. Um, and they were asked to fill out the forms and there's a complaint process. And of course, if you want to ban a book in Ireland, you have to, must really go through central government um, who have those powers. Um, and then over the last few weeks, they've come back two to three times. And then on Friday afternoon, two in, two to three individuals actually went to Ballyfehan Library and the staff there had to lock themselves in their office. Um, and I suppose then on Saturday afternoon, then um, around 12 noon, a banner actually was erected uh, over the entrance to Corksley Library on the Grand Parade. The staff went out and you can't um, erect a banner on a public building, that's illegal. And the Gardaí were called, the Gardaí came out, uh, and the Gardaí with Cork City Library, I suppose the advice was, I suppose there was a collaborative advice, a collaborative decision made to close the library on the grounds of, of public safety because the protesters, we said nine to ten protesters now, were actually outside the library um, at a particular point in time. Then the Gardaí also took names and, and phone numbers of the protesters. Um, and then there was a counter-protest um, then further up the Grand Parade. Um, and maybe then after uh, after some minutes, uh, I, I suppose the protesters outside the library uh, went away. So that's kind of that's kind of where we're at um, this morning with the with, with the story. Um, and yeah, it's all over it's all over social media. Um, but again, you're 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 dealing with a handful of what I call a very small minority. Um, but certainly now, um, I mean, all, up to this point in time, there's been a lot of what I call it, they're just bullies, they're bigots, they're like emotion, emotionally bullying people. Uh, and even after yes, after Saturday's event, um, some of the group went around town. Some of the protesters, so two of the protesters went into like bookshops on St. Patrick Street, um, I think Eason's and Dubray Books, and kind of said, "Why are you hosting this particular book?" And started re- start, starting kind of intimidating the staff. So, um, yeah, Gar- I mean, I think for all of us, we want the Gardaí you now to kind of to up the 
what's the element on this? In particular, like putting a putting a banner on a public building like that, that is illegal. Okay, it, it's it's obviously a position that they hold some conviction on. They 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 fully believe that these books should not be available to children, and that's an, an opinion to which they're entitled. But isn't it yeah. media spotlight what they're really after? Oh yeah, completely. Look, I mean, it's, what's what's interesting is that the the protesters are are filming um, the situation, and you can see that they're trying to up the ante and trying to intimidate people. I mean, I I don't know how the uh, the Gardaí held it together, actually, on, on Saturday afternoon in terms of the comments that were made in their direction. And these films are online. And also, I mean, like, I have to sincerely empathise, like, with the staff of Cork City Council. And they're just trying to do their job, like, on a Saturday afternoon. And, and I mean, I, as, as a library user, I mean, I, I, I go up to local studies on the reference section regularly, and they're just really nice people who just want to get on with their jobs. And you've got the public, the families who just want to go in and, and, and take books out and um, attend reading sessions sessions in the, in the children's section and, and sometimes there could be music or a poetry session on. Like just people want to use the library and all of a sudden there's a big banner and massive intimidation. So, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's really, really unsettling. But again, like you're, you're, I mean, there are processes in place. I mean, I mean, this is a very small minority that want to book banned like it's, it's a government that can ban a book but they're not going to ban a book because five or six people are asking to to ban a book um that's how i look at it i mean there's a majority in place and there's there's a majority support to make sure our libraries are, are, are kept open and, uh, and that they're actually they're they're they're, they're, put, they're safe spaces i mean i've always deemed proxy library from using it a very safe space and there's a lot of people that go studying there and just take time out in there um and we need to keep it like that really so the book in question is called this is gay uh, yeah, is, is that yeah. available to all age groups, or is is there some um, it's, it's se- the selection of section. age? It's in the young adult section of Cork City Library and in some of the branch sections as well. Um, but I mean, I suppose the last few years, libraries right across the country, not just in Cork City Council, have been providing what I call a, a rainbow section um, that kind of outlined LGBT. Um, stories um, and try to put, and bring those stories across the people um, to provide understanding and empathy uh, or to build empathy within communities um, so that yeah that's where it's, that's not just Cork City Council I mean it's, it's right across the country as well um, there's some really good organisations out there that have been working on the provision of books for teenagers for years like Children's Books Ireland who are based in Dublin have been doing some really really great work uh, along those lines um, I'm a big fan of their work so yeah, I mean, this like for for me, I, I suppose. And this morning, what I have to deal with, and, and hopefully we meet. I'm supposed to meet Anne Doherty, the chief executive, shortly. Um, this morning, I know she's been liaising with uh, the superintendents in Anglesey Street as well, and the community section and city hall have been involved in this, of which the library falls under. I mean, there there is a movement on this. I suppose first of all to make sure that that staff are safe. Um, there has been a review of health and safety within our libraries but I mean like I would I would hope this morning at some point in time that I, w- I, will, I will be speaking to the to the city librarian getting a sense of it, that, it, that I hope his staff are safe That's and then after that then um, yeah to sit down and have a chat to see where we're at with this because there has been a very serious illegal line passed you can't just put a banner in a building like that and force the closure of a building and I think there's a narrative out there that oh, it was the library closed first and then the banner was put up. No, the banner was put up first and then the library had to close. So that's that's very, very important. I mean, in fairness to the library, they sent out a press release in early afternoon setting out why they were actually closing the library. So, um, 
yeah, my, 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 my thanks to the, the city librarian for, for, for his work as well over the weekend. It's been a really long weekend for all of us. I mean, like, I, I mean, for me, I came out with comments on, on social media and sure I was bombarded with by 50, 60 individuals, no more than that. Um, making comments and making 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 slurs just for the sake of probably even making slurs and as you said at the start of the interview, just trying to get notoriety. Okay, if 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 these if these convictions of genuine concern exist with the protesters, what what is the due process for getting the book examined and for possibly getting it removed from the libraries, or who will make that ultimate decision? And certainly, it's not the library staff. Um, I mean, there would be a Libraries Ireland kind of association. I mean, Cork City, Cork City Libraries is not alone with that. There is a Library Ireland's account. I mean, every year, the library buys books. There is a book fund that's uh, within the budget of Cork City Council, and, and books are bought through that. Um, but many of these come from, we'd say, an overall recommended list of books that go to every every library in the country. So the mechanism, yeah, you fill out the complaint form. You submit the complaint form, uh, Cork City Council will come back to you. Um, but there is a sense with the protest that they want the book banned. It's not a case of removing it from the library. They want the book banned. So if you want a book banned, that's a central government call. I mean, and there's been many, many discussions over the years of banning books. Um, but that's a bigger, that's a bigger discussion um, that... It's not within the remit of, of, of Cork City Council. Uh, I suppose, and again, I come back to, for, for me today, it's, it's a banner put on a, on a building illegally, intimidation of staff. Um, we've nearly moved beyond the book um, now today. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't just take over, you can't just occupy a building, especially a library. I mean, a library is a safe space with families, as I said. You can't just, all of a sudden, I want to put a huge banner on it. And I mean, I'm not even going to say what was on the banner. Um, as well, like this, and it wasn't a small little banner. It wasn't something that was like one meter by one meter. Mick, this is something like that was that's ten meters in length and half a meter across. A very sizable banner, uh, making making a statement on a public building. So no lines have been illegal lines have been crossed. So that's where that's where I'm at this morning okay. uh, in terms of trying to get a resolution. And also, I've got colleagues, I've got fellow councillors who are also angry about this. We've had multiple discussions on the health and safety of library staff over the last couple of weeks of council meetings. Um, no, it's, and yeah, we're, and as I say, I'm going to be sitting down with everyone um, involved in the executive side of the house this morning, getting a sense of, of, of where we're at. And of course, Ballyfehan Library was targeted as well on Friday afternoon. The staff had to lock themselves inside. That's almost reminiscent of um, the storming of the capital or something. Staff locking themselves in offices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the staff, again, Ballyfehan Library is like one of the nicest libraries you could actually encounter. They've got, they've, I mean, they, uh, from my perspective, like involved in the local history, they're always giving local history talks. They've got poetry sessions. They've got reading for kids. It's really, really nice staff. And then the staff had to lock themselves in their office. I mean, like, like where are we, where are we going with this? I mean, um, there are procedures in place to complain about a book. And just because, like, you're a very, very, very small minority, that doesn't mean, like, that you're going to get what you want done. I mean, you really need, like, we live in a democracy, so, I mean, it has to be a majority of the population if they want a book, a book ban. So we're just dealing with, like, again, there was two people, two to three, two people uh, that are on the video uh, in the Ballatihan Library. I went to Ballatihan Library looking for the book to, to leave. I don't know, maybe Ballatihan Library has a thousand members, uh, and certainly these two individuals are not from Ballatihan. Um, so, so, yeah. But again, like we, we need to, we'll be continuing the discussions in, in, in City Hall this morning. Um, but that's, 
that's just really, really unsettling. And again, I have to empathise with staff that they don't, they shouldn't have to deal with that. Uh, and I know that um, many court people use. I mean, it's great thing about the libraries in the city, like you free membership, um, and loads of people study there, and they're just they're really and they're they're great for ref- research and references and elements like that. So, but they didn't shouldn't have to deal with all of a sudden a big, huge ten meter banner put in the front of the building and. Uh, closing off the library for use then. Um, and, and that's not, I mean, and I've been seeing, seeing the narrative of a peaceful process, uh, peace, peace, peaceful protest. It's not a peaceful protest. They're locking off a public building for, for use or forcing its closure. But are you absolutely sure that, that, that the library was closed because of the protest or was it closed before the protest? No, are you I've absolutely the, sure? I, yeah, I've got the, I've got the narratives uh, from the city librarian uh, and I spoke to uh, the uh, the subdirector of community directorate uh, yesterday. So she was present. They went out. The banner was there. Gardaí were called. So that's the chrono- that's the chronology of events. Um, okay, it's not the other way around. So beware. Saying that to the media all this morning, to beware of the narrative that's been presented. It's not as as what's been presented. There, are, there, there always, yes. Well, a little bit of a baptism of fire for you, Independent Councillor Kieran McCarthy, our first citizen and Lord Mayor. Uh, um, A topic for a different day, maybe, but the best of luck in whatever your ambitions are in your tenure as uh, Lord Mayor. And we continue with the with the uh, the narrative to try and get to the bottom of exactly what went on. Uh, But for now, Lord Mayor Kieran McCarthy, thank you very much. Thanks very much, Mick. Thanks, thanks. Thank you. Bye bye, Podrick Rice, line two. Good morning, Podrick. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Now, you would contend that the uh, important institution that is Cork City Library on the Grand Parade was forced to close. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think it's really disappointing. I think libraries are, as I say, one of the most important public institutions we have. They're cathedrals of learning. I think it's a really vital public service. And I think everybody in Cork is going to be really disappointed to see that the library was closed on Saturday um, because protesters erected a banner in front of the building and took over the front of the building, stopping people from, from using the service and some people going to take out books and to go to learn and to go to their book club or use the printing facilities. Like I think libraries are a crucial public service. It's, it's one of the, the only free, really free public services, free place to use in the city. I think they're just really, really important. And I, I saw a comment from the city librarian saying they've only been forced to close uh, over hundred in a hundred years. This year was the first year that they've been forced to close in a hundred years. So this. This isn't normal. Uh, this is it's it's really unusual behaviour. I think it's it's really disappointing to see uh, to see this happen. And I think it's just not acceptable. And I think I think the guy more needs to come by the guardie and the city council to ensure that this doesn't happen again. You know, we need to to look at look at the bylaws of the library and look at how these things are policed as well to ensure that, that people can go about and use public services and people can have their right to protest and they can do the demonstration, but they shouldn't be able to stop others from from accessing a really important uh, public service. Yeah, their the right to protest is enshrined in the Constitution, but not really their right to harass if that happened. Absolutely, yeah. And there is that line. There, there is a line between your right to peaceful protest and then you're moving into to criminal behaviour um, and into harassment, intimidation. And we know this isn't the first time this has happened. This is, this is an ongoing campaign. And I think the Lord Mayor mentioned it there. It's, this has been happening over a number of months uh, in the in the small libraries on the city and in the central library, but also it's happening. We've seen it happen in Dublin, it's happened in Dundalk. It's, it's kind of an organised campaign and it's happened internationally as well. It's, it's part of an organised effort and it's not what should be happening in a democratic society. You know, 
heard, I saw one of their videos online and they, and they ripping, went into libraries and ripping up books, talking about book burning. Like this is, this is stuff that we saw in Nazi Germany in the 1930s. Like it's, it's outrageous behaviour and it shouldn't be allowed to continue. We have to say as a society together, this, this isn't good enough. Like it's not okay that library workers are being harassed in the workplace. Um, it's not okay that public services are being disrupted in this way. Um, and I think we really need to really take a stand about it and take a really firm line because otherwise this is just going to be allowed to, to escalate mm. and continue and, and, and they're going to get away with it and do this again. Yeah, um, Paul Dean Wright, just, just, just for clarity, you're the policy and research manager at LGBT Ireland. So you're, you're fully aware of the range of LGBT material that's available in Irish libraries, yeah? Um, so, so libraries and education work isn't, isn't, isn't kind of my area of expertise. I, I work generally in terms of, uh, of LGBT rights and, and LGBT policy areas. And I think it's, you know, we, we've got really good librarians and we've got a really good library system across the country. And it's really up to, to our librarians uh, and people working there who decide what resources are available and, and who they're available to and what age categories and all of that. And as the Lord Mayor said, you know, we have, we have we've systems in our country of how we organise this stuff. You know, you can make complaints to the library, if you've got concerns around reading material, or you can you can write to the censorship board and you can have books censored if, if that's if that's what you're into. Um, but going going into libraries and ripping up books and closing off libraries is not okay. It, it's not how things should operate. You know, it, it's really important that people have access to public services and have access uh, to, to reading materials and have access to information um, in, in, in a really balanced way. And I think I think it's. It's really worrying, and I think just the whole rhetoric around it and the narrative and what they're saying is really worrying. And I think it's also important for people at home to understand that, like, this anti-LGBT sentiment, it's not happening in isolation. You know, it's it's tied to the anti-migrant sentiment, it's tied to an anti-different sentiment, it's, it's, really, it's an attack on diversity. And, and people who, who would have watched the Primetime Investigates program were seeing that it's the same individuals who were doing the protests in pharmacies where they're attacking pharmacy workers about COVID vaccines, people who are at uh, anti-migrant and anti-asylum seeker um, protests as well, as well as people who are organising anti-LGBT protests. And it's all tied together and it's, as the Lord Mayor says, it's the same individuals who are organising all of this and, and stoking this up. Um, and I think it's important that people understand that this, this isn't happening in isolation and it's also happening in other European countries. We've seen this in the US and across Europe Um there was a widely circulated video on social media last night where I believe it was a journalist from The Echo who was having a difficult enough time of it now with the protesters but was contending um, that most young people will access sensitive material on their mobile phones, not from a library. And why aren't you picketing the mobile phone shop? Which, you know, to be fair, it's kind of a valid question. Well, why, why aren't the, the phone shops being, being targeted here as the providers of devices where a lot of this sensitive material is available at the click of a button. Yeah, I think it's a good question to put to them. And I think what's, what's important with the, the stuff in libraries is like young people often are looking for reliable material. You know, they hear things in the schoolyard or they see something online and they're looking for, for good, reliable information. And that's why books are important, where you, where you get a book out and you get reliable information. Um, but yeah, as you say, like there, there is, there is uh, lots of information available in lots of other places. And yeah, but there. They're, they're particularly targeting the libraries, and I think that's that's particularly dis- disappointing because libraries are so important, and I think they're just a crucial public service, um, a free public service. And I think we've got some great library staff working in libraries, really hardworking librarians, and they shouldn't be 
intimidated and harassed in the way that they have been um, over the last number of months. And I think we need to, to take a stand against this and say, this isn't acceptable and this has to stop. Well, well, they have an unambiguous right to work in a safe environment, and that's probably what's being championed here by those who are, you know, against the protests and against the shutting of the library. Uh, Padraig Rice, yeah, po- Policy and Research Manager with LGBT Ireland, do you want any final comment on it? No, I just want to say that I think, I want to say whether it's their union for, for being very clear on this, and they, they very clear asked for the, for the City Council's new bylaws um, for a protection plan from the Gardaí and, and for, for real risk assessments of lobby workers. And I think, I think those calls from the lobby workers should, should be followed through by the City Council um, with, uh, without any haste. Okay. Thank you very much, Padraig Rice, Policy and Research Manager, LGBT Ireland. Jonathan's been holding for a while. Morning, Jonathan. Hello, Jonathan. Okay, I'll take a break and come back to Jonathan if we can get him. Winner of two goals at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. 18 minutes to 10. Jonathan, thank you for holding. Hi, Mick. How are you? Good. You said the Lord Mayor is lying. Uh, oh, so his rear end, Neil. Uh, Mick Sally. Oh, so his rear end. And like for him to actually come out and say that he knows this 100% that that library was closed down from us, the protesters, like, my blood here is boiling, I tell you now. Well, he, what, what, what he said was he was in receipt of the chronology. So he got a report from somebody with a timeline, and, and that's, that's what he's saying. Is that and sp- so that's, he's only just taken someone's report, so that's what he said. So he don't know 100%. Okay, to tell us what happened then, 100%. Well, I, I'm part of the protest outside the library, and we, we arrived in there about half past 12 Okay, and the, and the, the library is uh, due to be open until what time? Um, one or two o'clock, I think. Yeah, okay. But when I got in at half past 12, Ross Lee Hive and Andy Heathman, two boys from our group, were in there with their fingers up against the door quarter to 12, saying the library is closed already before we even set up a placard and a mind saying a banner. And for him then to come out and say that we had UK far-right people with us, like, what kind of man is he at all? to say this when he don't have an iota of what's going on in them protests because he's, he, he's afraid to even show up at one of them protests. Like. I'm looking at that photograph now and it's, it's taken at 11.49 and uh, two figures. So that's but, 10 to 12, is it? 11.49, 10, yeah, 11 minutes to 12. And we didn't set up our first banner till 10 past 1. Okay, that, that would seem to put a different, so that, a different chronological order in, in what's happening. That's a 20 minutes there, is it? Okay. So there's an hour and 20 minutes in between before we even got to the lab- before we even got a banner up and the library closing. I'm, I'm taking so it, an- I'm t- I have to take it, Jonathan, that the, the timestamp on the photograph is correct, yeah? Oh, 100%, 100%. There's nothing doctrinated, there's nothing Photoshop there. That's 100%, Mick. Two of the boys, they were the first people in there because they were getting our spot because the, the left were having a protest too. So the boys said they'd go in and get our spot and they went in, they said, Jesus, we weren't even protest outside the library. We were going up a bit like the last time we'd done in March. But they said, the library's closed, lads, so we might as well do it here on our better spot. Okay, so the only reason, is that what you're saying? The only reason that you did it at the library and put up the banner? Because was, it was closed. So there was no health and safety concern to anybody? No, and no one came out. Not one person came out and asked us to take down that banner or move the banner or leave people in or leave people out. That, that building was empty, unoccupied from 12 o'clock. Yeah, the newspapers are saying that a request was made. 
but right, of course the newspapers make right, you know you know the newspapers are saying a lot of stuff like that isn't true like and you know we had gay people in in our protest far right gay people that are totally against all this stuff that's going on like in the libraries and stuff like and like don't get me wrong we're not on about book burning and getting the books removed all we asked was for the books to be moved to the adult section Okay, and so it's it's like, not anti diversity. It's, it's not anti gay. If you if you've got gay protesters, no, so we in we life. all have gay friends, Mick, and we all have gay relations. Like, and we so like transgender people, whatever they want to do with their life, need that's their choice. But just don't be pushing their agenda on people that don't have anything to do with that kind of side of it. You know? Okay. Like uh, we we don't push our, our, our we don't push our straightness or our gayness or our thing on them. Like so, like why are they pushing all their stuff on us like and for the, for the Lord Mayor then to come out and say like English people coming over we had only about 200 300 people at our protest Mick the, the, the left had about 200 as well but like the guards in the middle were dividing us you see the pictures no? I saw some of the pictures not all of them yet yeah, the, the guys were in between the middle of us dividing us, and we were just there talking on microphones, and they were shouting anti-racist, anti anti like they were shouting their brains out, saying we're Nazis, we're this, we're that, and the, I went up to the guys and I said, lads, I said, can I ask you a simple question? I said, have you a pain in your heads? And they said, no comment. All they were doing was shouting bad comments. Like all the, well, who was doing, the guards or the other protesters? No, the other protesters. Okay. They were showing nasty comments, like we kids and young, young kids and babies and women and everything with us peacefully. Okay. And they were showing you nasty scums, all this kind of stuff. Like, like we were the we're, we're the ones being saying we're the bad people here. Like, but like the girls could even see themselves like saying like Jesus, lads, like how, like why are we even here? Like to protect these people? Like, like they shouldn't even be. Like, Jonathan, what just, doing with just, wrong, just stay, like. stay with me a moment because I'm, time is against me. I want to give Joe a fair crack at airtime here. Good morning, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Morning. Joe. Morning, Mick. How are you, boy? Good. Now, uh, you said I'm trying to make out the protest on Saturday was by a minority group. Um, no, I, I think what was said is that there are four or five ringleaders in what seems to be... Um, I think... I, 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 uh, sorry, Darren. Yeah. I, 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 what I mean by minority group, I suppose, Mick, is that people are afraid to have their faces out in the open. Like, this is very, this is this is true, like, because socially, <coughs> the way things have gone in our culture here in Ireland, and, and it's happening everywhere in the West, but, like, if we say anything against, let's just say even the Vax that time, or, no, it's this thing, we're trying to protect our children. Like, I'm a father of three children, and I have read the book, right? I'm not going to speak about it online because I, out of respect to your producer, I said I wouldn't. So I won't say anything about what was in it, right? But I actually sent it to the Lord Mayor um, on Twitter. I sent him a clip of it and I said, is this what we're supposed to be teaching our 12-year-olds here in Cork City? Because I can't believe that this is what we're, this is what we're actually saying to our youth to do. And he blocked me on Twitter. He blocked me on Twitter. I'm a man living in Cork City all my life and my Lord Mayor blocked me because I put up a post to him with pieces of what that book entails for 12-year-olds, and he blocked me. Joe, Joe, can we be clear here? Is it one book and the contents of one book, or is it a wider issue? Well, it, Not a boy, wider what, issue. I would say, what I would say that is, of course, it's a wider issue, because it's, it, the book is part of the issue. The issue here is that we're talking about library staff being protected. I'm talking about my children being protected. Mick, we went through a time here, man, where... 
people were like silent on the like on the Catholic Church and what was going on. And I'm a Catholic myself, but I'll call out where things have where people. If you damage a child, I don't care what ideology you you have, you must call it out. Your ideology does not come before the children. So even there, I'm a Catholic, but I call out the the the, the, the horrid behaviour that has taken place in that institution. I have to, because it's the truth, and children matter more than anyone else. Staff of, in the library are adults, they're well able to, they, and I've seen the videos, they're not being harmed at all, come on, and, and we're all adults, and adults are pretending like they're being harmed, and they, no one can hurt their feelings. No one's thinking about the children here, like, you know, they, as I say, I will not read out part of that book online, out of respect for your producer, mm. last, not to. But you're obviously but concerned what, with the content. Oh, I not just the content of the book, but also the indoctrination of our children. No, Mick, you're a clever man, right? And you understand that if a nation comes together and they must live together, they need something that brings them all together, okay? That ties them together, that they're living together, an ideology. We know this, okay? Ireland had the ideology of the Catholic Church, okay? It was not perfect, but it was something that we had, and it, we, it was not all bad, but there was a lot of bad things within that institution. For sure, for sure. And there's always things that we can talk about if we're truthful and we can speak honestly. If we can actually speak honestly, back then, people were forced to shut their mouth. Right now, we're going through a different, we're going through a change in ideology. And this is what's happening. We're bringing it into our children. Like, I have to go and and see on September when my kids go to school because, oh, fair play to the government, they're going to pay for the books, are they? No, I'm paying for the books because I go to work and I pay my taxes. I'm paying for the books. The government aren't producing anything. They're using my taxpayers' money to do stuff, so I don't get anything for free. So basically, they're going to give my kids free books, right? And I won't get to see them because they'll be in the school, but I'll get to see them because I'll be there in September with my wife to see these books. The problem here is that parents aren't being fed the information. Unless you go looking. No, I care for my children. They're my most precious thing in the world. I love them and to death. And maybe someday they might come to me and say that, Dad, this is how I feel. And, and you know what? I will work through that with them because I love them. They're Isn't it great they can come to you and say that? 100% because, uh, Mick, what's, what's most important here, by is honesty. Enough. It's honesty. And you talk about the papers, and you say the papers. Of, Mick, we all know the mainstream media, man, is, is, is paid and bought for. Like, we know that. We <laughs> well, all I, know I, that. I, I saw you guys calling them out as fake news. Jonathan, you wanted to say something to Joe there, did you? Yeah, yeah to Joe there about the, the books, the free books. And now they want to cancel um, homework from bringing homework home to the parents as well because they don't want to see uh, what the child is actually bringing home. Like, Yeah. Well, listen. They're, they're picking, listen, if they really think that this is going to go away for them, do they really think messing with people's kids is just going to go away for them? And it's yeah, the vaccine was one thing, lads, but messing with kids is another. Yeah, like, you do on, not mess with your childhood, like. Yeah, Guys, I, I, I have no particular axe to grind here. I'm just trying to give both sides some airtime, but I do have yeah, to take... Yeah, I tell you, you're the only person, like, you're the only person that actually does give a person a real option, a real chance to talk, like, to be honest, fair to Jim, Mick. I'll give you a chance again if you hang on just till after the commercial break. I'll come back to both of you, OK? Thanks, guys. Yeah. The Neil Prenderville Show. Cork's number one talk show. Sure, Cork. On Red FM. Six minutes to ten. I have four minutes to John, Jonathan and Joe before the next uh, commercial break, so you're welcome to it. Do you think it's unfair that you guys are often characterised uh, oh, sorry. Uh, we seem to have lost them, but we will come back to them. Um, I, I'm just trying to put a, a, a kind of a, a handle, really, on, on why these protesters are, are always labelled far right. 
you know, if in, on the left, you're going to have emphasis on freedom and equality and diversity and fraternity and rights and reform and internationalism. And on the right, um, leanings towards uh, anti-authority, hierarchy, order, duty, tradition, etc. It's very hard um, to, to not call something far right when they become militant. Uh, let's see, do we have them back? We have one of them back anyway, and that is uh, Jonathan. Are you there? Yeah, hold yeah, on. Sorry, do, do, what I'm just going to say is, do you think it's unfair that, that you guys, like at the core of what you're doing, you're trying to protect children? And I believe that that, that to be true. Do you, do you think it's unfair you're labelled far right and mil, militant? And I think it's, I really do think it's a joke, to be honest, Mick, by, because like, like I, it's only two or three years. Like, my first ever protest was only three years ago. And like when when the stuff started about the libraries in school, like I I would have never ever known any of this if Ross and Andy and them didn't do the brilliant work that they done by going into the libraries and letting parents actually know what's coming into the curriculum in our schools in September. Like, and and, and to those who would say you're going about it the wrong way, lads, what what would you say to that? I say I don't think there's any other way to go about it. To be honest, Mick, like because like the boys aren't going to stop. Like this is like this is an ongoing investigation into the protection of childhood like like I, I, I agree if a child comes to their parent after hitting puberty and saying ma'am dad I think I want to be a girl I want to be a boy you say well fair enough because you're after hitting puberty and you might not want to know that what you want for your life but giving a child from five six seven years up an option of picking if it wants to be a boy or a girl is I just can't get my head around it, Mick, Mick to be honest. Mike. Yeah, because it's kind of before the age of reason. Jo, uh, jo, Joe is back on as well. Sorry, we lost both of you guys. Um, Joe, yeah, you, we, we mentioned a minority group, but you would contend you've got a large following. Would I be right that many of them are afraid to put themselves out there in case they're labelled far right? A hundred percent, Mick, a hundred percent. Listen, man, we're all decent people. Like, you know, uh, 99.9% of the people are very decent, and we are. And, and maybe we, we might differ on certain ideas and, and, and have different perspectives on things. And, and before, maybe, or even in an adult world, that's okay. That's fine. There's no problem with that. But unfortunately, today, with the mainstream media, as we spoke about already, and even with our own state, make the state is responsible by for a lot of this, you know, they're dividing people. It's as simple as this. Look, I have children, and so do most of the people. In it. Like, most of the, pop- the adult population in Ireland, like, let's say, to a certain age, we have our children. Our children are the most important thing to us. Well, your most important job in life is to shepherd those children and navigate them through, exactly. through life into being and decent, before, responsible, before, contributing citizens. Exactly, Mick, and you know, we've gone through the part, and as a, again, as I say, I am a Catholic, but I would not hand over my children to the Catholic Church to look after them. The Catholic Church will not look after my kids. They will not tell me how to raise my kids. I will, I will raise my kids with, with my faith, yes, but with, with their parents as the main provider to them of love, respect, and how to be a respectful adult, right? And we, that's, what, that's what my responsibility is. The state has a track record with children, do I need to go into it? No, and so, I don't... Listen, I don't have exactly time. And listen, right, guys, and I, 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 I hope I've given you a fair crack today. No, I know you have, you have, we're, you have, we're, we're often called mainstream media ourselves and that we're bought off, but at well, least... I would say, I would say there, listen, you, you ask your the question there, do the lads have to do what they're doing, right? Do the lads have to go in and show what they're doing, Ross and Andy and whoever, right? I put it this way, right? If they weren't brave enough to do what they're doing, because, you know, when they see two of them, we're all afraid to lose our jobs. We're all afraid to be 
ostracising, like we all have jobs as people and we know what will happen in them. We know Because all this is ideology that's been pushed on top of everybody. If an adult wants to change their sex, if they want to do that, no, you Guys, don't I'm going to have to go. I, I've given you all the time I can. I've yeah, got a new... have to go back to work earlier, but thanks for the, the call anyway, McBride. Thanks, guys. Thanks a million. Yeah, Cheers. Bye. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Nine and a half minutes past ten on this uh, dreary Monday morning. Let's get back to the phone lines. Uh, Michael Harrington is on line one. Morning, Michael. Good morning. How are you? No, you. Uh, I'm good. You. You weren't. Uh, you weren't outside on Saturday at that protest. I'm glad to say I wasn't. To be honest, I don't think it's. Um, you know the place. But I'm coming from you. From I suppose I was talking to Neil about situations and social situations. I think it's all sometimes of what people actually look for and what's allowed to escalate. Because I'm sitting here and I can sail this morning with a beautiful sky now starting to emerge on the side in the garden, going about my day. You know, so um, I just kind of I would be I commend the city council on their closure of the library for protecting their, their staff, but I would certainly say there's an opportunity for the City Council to possibly have a public citizens meeting with those that have issues in the City Hall. I think it's I think it's um, these situations that are allowed to escalate in public are they're very damaging to our tourism and in that sense I think the City the city Hall has a great opportunity to create peaceful peace in these situations. Yeah, I, I guess many of our tourists come from countries where uh, these sort of protests are, are are the norm as well. I mean, if you're coming from France, you'll certainly have come across your fair share of protests. Same in the USA. Uh, but I, I do take it that confrontation between protesters, which apparently was heated and lots of abuse being thrown over the Gardaí to the various sets of supporters on either side, uh, can be damaging for the image of the city, perhaps. Absolutely. And when you think of it, this is the summertime when people come to view our city and the best of what Cork is and what Cork people are about. If there is a social situation that's arising from uh, what people have an issue with of the book inside the library, then quite possibly the City Hall has an opportunity to bring groups together in in the main hall and actually bring those that look... If you have an issue, what is your issue and how can we work with communities instead of being against communities? Do you know, I think that's, like, I think maybe their approach could, could change towards bringing peace within the communities. I think that's something that I would like to see anyway. Because the more you diffuse these, look, it's obviously antisocial situations. So the more you diffuse the situations by bringing open dialogue and, you know, these, these are the things that our city should be looking towards because, look, there's children, there's, not everybody wants to be reading these things for one and then other people say, so quite possibly the, the city, the, you know, the, the libraries will lose a lot of custom from people that want to, you know, that wouldn't have the knowledge of what's going on. Well, I'm sure there are parents who would be slow to bring their children into the main library now in the Grand Parade, just in case there may be another protest. Um, you know, maybe quite not only the protest, but people are becoming aware of it because there's meetings in Dublin about it. And I think that's, I think the actual, you know, inside in a conference hall, an open discussion and an open debate about the concerns of people are far more effective and far more diplomatic than what we're seeing on the streets. I don't, I, I would I would think that the streets are not the place for this. Do you know, I think our, our streets, our city's been left, like if you're going to leave these things happen on the streets, then some some entity like possibly the city hall should stand up and say, Do you know what, it's not right that these people are going in and disturbing the days of their employees. They don't have to say so on what's being, you know, 
what the books are or what the movement is, but at least look if it's causing an issue, bring it forward to the council, hold a meeting with the council, as any diplomatic society would do, and then bring forward a solution to that, because if it is that much of a concern and causing that much issues, then, you know, why let it escalate? Yeah, I'd have to say from a tourism perspective, I'd rather see a demonstration and a protest with two, you know, two very strongly held views, opposite sides of each other, uh, than than see tourists beaten to an inch of their lives as happened in Dublin on two occasions. So, you know, a little bit of healthy debate, a little bit of shouting and roaring, a lot better than the, than the, uh, the, the tourists getting beaten. There was a second one over the weekend in Dublin. So, um, yeah, Michael, thanks. Uh, can, can sale looking and, good? You know, I just want to, absolutely glorious. But I suppose more to the point is that what I noticed is that a lot of these people having the protests are very educated people. And how they can't come to, you know, having a sit, sit down of a, an actual debate and saying, look, you know, we must also now begin to start holding ourselves responsible for the fact that we are upsetting the tourism trade and that, you know, maybe possibly that they're the ones that are, look, we're escalating situations to people that are possibly not as educated as them to antisocial behaviour that, oh, look, if, if they're able to do it, then look, Joe, this is acceptable in the public, that it's not acceptable to go on like that. OK, Michael, I'll have, to, I'll have to leave you there. Thank you very much. Gentlemen, thank you. And best Good to all in Kinsale. Uh, Anita, thanks for holding. Hello. Hi, Anita. Hi, how are you, mate? No, you, you, you were there on Saturday. I was indeed. I'm one of the protesters, I am, yeah. You're one of the protesters. OK, and, and you yeah. arrived at 12 o'clock, is that right? No, I wasn't there at 12 o'clock myself, but when the, with the timestamp with the photograph at 10 to 12, the library was already shut. Now, yeah, that's, that's, we have a video afterwards of us putting up the banner. We're trying to get that sorted to send to you with the timestamp on it, which okay. was... Timestamp was 11.49 or 11 minutes to 12. Yeah, that, the library was shutting on. Okay. So the, the, the 100% that banner was not put up before that library closed. Okay, you had to take the Lord Mayor at his word that he has the chronological order uh, in well, which I'm things happened. Well, I'm actually shocked at the Lord Mayor, Mick, because shame on him for, you know, saying 100% that he knew because it, it's impossible. I mean, anyone that was there, even from the other side, even the library staff know this. It's a blatant lie. And I just sent you another video as well with the library staff saying on the camera that they never uh, felt kind of threatened that it was, you know, like, it's absolutely crazy. I just sent it to them on WhatsApp. But you, 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 it's all media. You, you guys have no, you, you have no desire, I would imagine, to intimidate or harass library no, staff. No, not at all, Mick. And any time most of us there, we brought kids with us. I mean, we were just concerned parents about the book. And in fairness, we did hit TDs before we ever went to any library. Okay, Thomas Gould was already aware of this, and we asked him to bring this to the die. So, like, we've already done what we could do. It's uh, the library staff duty of care. And it's anyone that is selling that book or renting it out or whatever it is to do with that book in general. It's under your duty of care and your responsibility not to be given that pornography to children. Have you read the book, Mick? No, I haven't. It's absolute filth. I have a daughter 11 years of age. And if I thought for one minute she could get her hands on that book, I would be absolutely sickened. And and what about people who, who say to you or might say to you, this is more than about one book. This is a sort 100%. of hundred percent. This is is, is 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 this about gender identity or is this about a general movement against LGBT? Well, no, it's we're not against LGBT at all. You see, this is what I don't like as well. They keep tearing us that we're all homophobic. Not at all, not at all. And I'm sick of saying well, that. One of the, one of the guys is, said a while ago, I've, I've got great friends who are gay. They're part yeah, of my we social circle. We have, we, we have gay people that were standing with us on Saturday. One of them was a speaker. You know, it's nothing got to do with that. You know, we're, like, it's absolutely crazy what they're tearing us with and the lies. And you know what, it's very upsetting because people are actually listening to this. 
you know, saying something about England, like the, the, the far right in England. Well, where did all this come from this morning? Wait, were you like aware of any far right English people at the protest or no, leading the protest? No, not at all. Leading the protest. I'm a, par- a proud member of Ireland first. This is a, 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 like, you know, we're a nationalist party. Like, where, 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 what has English, England got to do with what happened on Saturday? We're concerned parents and we're not happy what's going on and gender ideology shouldn't be brought into the curriculum for the SPHE that's coming in in September. Like, it's absolutely disgusting that if you... I remember when I was young, I was a tomboy. So if I was young in this day and age, does that mean so I'm going to get injections and blockers and be allowed to change my sex? Well, I think certainly you've access to more information about that than you would have had when you were younger. But sure, I'm a, wom- I'm a woman. I'm after having four children. Of course, I wouldn't have wanted to change my sex. Of course, I wouldn't have wanted to go down that road. But that's the option I would have been given back then if it was today, if you know what I mean. That, I mean, that's crazy. Like so so is, is what you, you guys are saying, it's too much education too soon? No, no, no. It's, it, it's too young. Yeah, I mean, too soon, whatever too young, you want yeah. to do. Yeah, exactly. Like, whatever you want to do when you turn 18. I'm not against anybody of, of gender or this or that or whatever. Way. Like, but at the end of the day, you can't be bringing this in to young kids. And even like this book is gay. That's only one book. I mean, there's other books there, like even for younger kids to access. I mean, it's confusing the children. Like, I mean, I have a daughter there and she's asking me questions now because it's just spread everywhere. She's too young to be asking questions like that. But of course, all her peers are probably asking her the same things. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's, they're way too young to be learning this. And it's up to the library staff and the bookshops. They have a duty of care not to be putting this out. And I've spoken to librarians that are on our side. And another thing as well I want to mention, the two library staff that went into, is it Ballincollig or Bishopstown? Was it Ballyfehan, I think, was it? Oh, Ballyfehan. Them two, uh, them two uh, parents have nothing to do with um, the protest on Saturday. That, that wasn't fair singling them two uh, adults out like that at all. Okay. Saying that they were part of, uh, you know, that, that, that wasn't right. They went in there and they had a concern because I seen the video and they had concerns. And all they did was go over, if you see the video, and ask a few questions and the library staff ran. They weren't threatened, weren't intimidated, nothing. And them two people now have been tarnished with, with, with what? So you can't go in now. So no parent now is allowed to go into the library and pick up that book and ask a question without the library staff running out the back. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. The one thing I will say for you, Anita, is that the one thing you can't mess with is time. If, 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 if you can prove that narrative to be right or prove yeah. it to be wrong, uh, as, as long as those timestamps are, are valid and, and, and genuine, you know? Because you can mess with the timestamps too. Yeah, sorry. No, no, there's no messing with timestamps. But I'm, I'm telling you now, there's another thing I want to mention as well. We all went for a drink afterwards um, on Saturday to Witherspoons. And uh, the president of Ireland First, Derek Bly, was wearing a T-shirt saying, male, female, no other. And the manager came over and asked him to cover up his shirt and we were asked to leave and the guards and all were called. Because he was wearing a T-shirt saying, male, female, no other. Okay, and, but, but yet you say it's not about gender ideology. No, it is about gender ideology and it's bringing it in. Of course it's about gender ideology into the children, but there is only two sexes. Okay, Jim, Jim O'Hearn wants to say a few words to you, Nita. You okay yeah. with that? Okay, Jim? How are you? And she, she speaks all the way down and all that. But just a great thing there, she's on about not being anti-racist and all that stuff. But during her comments there, she was anti-English. She's very moral and forced, but I care about our England. You can't be like that. No, I'm not anti-English, but I'm saying, what I'm saying is that they're saying that we brought, I'm not anti-English at all, but I'm saying we didn't have anyone from England over Saturday is the point I'm making. I'm certainly not anti-English. Yeah, but 
you, 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 what's your stance as Earl and Force? We can see that you're anti the, the book and all that, and I get that, and some of that. I kind of I totally agree with some of it, to be honest, you know. Yeah. But, and you're right, yeah. it should be in the other section. I, I get all that, right? And we all get friends. But what's Earl and Force? You're a party that's coming on the scene now. You're getting very active. We're getting a lot of, mm-hmm. lot of, uh, a lot hits of now on, online and stuff, and a lot of stuff. But what, what do you believe in? What is your background? And is it just, what do you want for Ireland if it's Ireland Force? We want our nation back. We're, we're a nationalist party. What, what, what do you mean? Your, like, like, I don't you understand. want our nation uh, back. So who, who, who took I mean, it? we want to cl- close the borders. I mean, everyone is leaving in undocumented men coming into the country. But that's not You know, we can't true. even I look mean, after our own. No, we can't even look after our own. I, we have how many homeless men on that. the street? I, you know, know, I get that. We're, having, we're after building a modular home. Hang on a second. Give us one thing and I'll, tell you, I'll answer yeah. it. But I get what you're saying. We have homeless on the street. I and mean, this is going on a hell of a long time before we even joined Europe. This is going on since the 60s. I get all that. But you can't just shut down the borders. We're in Europe. Are you telling me you want to leave, leave the EC as well? Pardon? Are you telling me you want to leave Europe and have a kind of a, 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 a mock moment where Ireland leaves well, the I, EC? I, is I, that I what you're about? happening, but I, I would like for that to happen, yeah. So that, is that what your party is about, to pull out of Europe? That's it. And and we get every if unless you're white and you you know you you you, you, know, you speak with a cock accent or a Dublin accent, you want everybody else. Anita, Anita, just just to be clear, does your group have political aspirations? What do you mean political aspirations? Are you of guys what? going to run okay. for office? Oh yes, 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 of course. And so your agenda is that you want to shut down the borders and leave. Is it, is it but a you were leaving in undocumented men. We're leaving in, and what, where is all the women and children? It's all military-age men coming into the country with no documents. Call it but that's, a European, that's, that's, a European, that's a European problem, and our, our government are doing that. Should the exactly, European I directive. agree. The government are doing it, but the government needs to stop doing it. And well, everyone that needs to, to stop that agreeing that, that, that this is correct. That means you have to pull out of Europe. And, and so be it if that needs to be, because this is and, absolutely and, wrong. And then it still won't work because there's, a, there's another law, international law, that means you have to take all these refugees anywhere. Guys, I'm, I'm, just, well, I'm just looking at well, the stats of males and females, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry if me just using two genders offends anybody, but the sex of arrivals from the Ukraine, 22,131 uh, on the female side, and on the male side it's 11,062, about half. So it's mostly... F- that, that's the sex of uh, arrivals from Ukraine. It's, uh, it's about 60, 62% female, 38% maybe. Uh, that direction in, in males. So, it's well, I, don't, I don't think that's Carol's problem is the Ukrainians. No, I think she just has an issue with all the, the males come from Afghanistan or all these other countries. And, but she wants to, wants to, even if they arrived in France and got um, a passport there, they were quite tight to walk around cock. There's nothing we can do to stop them. Doing okay. That. I, I believe you went to Weatherspoons for a drink. Did you go, um, Anita? That's not very anti British. Yeah. And I, can I just say we have an opt out in the Lisbon Treaty as well? And as well as that, like, we're supposed to be in neutral an absolute neutral country, and we don't have to take any refugees. Okay, we're happy to give you guys airtime. Jim, thanks for coming up uh, and coming on with Anita there. And Anita, thank you. I've got to uh, go to a break. Paddy Bullman is holding for a while, as is retired teacher Marie. Neil Prendamil, Gold Imro Award winner for Speech Broadcaster of the Year, Cork's Red FM. Coming up on 26 minutes past 10, Mick Mulcahy and for Neil Prendival. Uh, Paddy Bullman's been holding on line three. Hi, Paddy. Uh, hi, hi, Mick. <laughs> Okay, so uh, you, you reckon it's a shambles? Yeah, I mean, I've, yeah, I've said that a long time ago. The country itself is, is in a shambles the way we are. Democracy. I mean, what is democracy? Uh, 
It's the right to have an opinion. It's the right to hold your opinion. The right to have your voice heard. Everybody has that right in a democracy. We're always talking about democracy in this country. It is not a democracy. The right to have your voice heard. Everybody's voice, yeah? And they have all the right to be heard. Yes, when people protest like this, uh, against anything they're branded, tab, anti-LGBT, which they're not, far-right extremism, and then you mentioned the word there earlier when you were talking, militant, yeah, militant demonstration and the whole lot, okay? Mm-hmm. I have never come across any militancy in any of these demonstrations of these so-called anti-LGBT uh, and, you know, far-right extremism and the whole lot. It, it, they're not the militant ones. Yeah, it's the government is, is, is the one that uses militancy. They're the militants here. You have groups then again that when they protest and when people protest because at the moment it's about the only platform you have to get your voice across in this country because councils do not listen, government does not listen. Yeah, and we've seen that, we've proof of it in the recent past. So when people do protest, then we get the other groups against them, you know, because they're against your views. I'm talking now about, say, anti-fascists, for example, that they come out, they proclaim on their Facebook page, actually, that uh, they're, a demo- they, they're for democracy, that all voices have the right to be heard. Yes, they turn up at these peaceful demonstrations, blowing whistles, bells, making a racket, and drowning out anybody else that has other views than theirs. They're hypocrites. We have a lot of this in this country. I did see a couple, we, we, couple we, of journalists getting a pretty rough time from some of the protesters. I wouldn't call it militant, but they were certainly very vocal. Yes. Do, do, they not have, do we not have a right to be vocal, to voice our opinions in this country? We either have or we have not. Okay? So we, we have a government that passes laws and, and, and does things like this, make, makes us, uh, you know, legal to put books, for example, into... into um, Libraries that, uh, and I'm saying a, a lot of people, I, I don't know if it's a majority or not, it's a majority of the people I know are of the same sentiment as the demonstrators. But I have to ask you, Paddy, in, 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 the interest, in the interest of balance now, I have to ask you, don't those journalists have the right to work peacefully and safely? Do the library staff have a right to work without protesters sticking a camera in their face and maybe putting their own faces up on social media? Don't they have a right yes. not to have that happen? Yes. Everybody has the right to do that. Everybody has the right to work in peace and not feel harassed in any way. But unfortunately, the way things are working out, this is what is happening. This is what I'm saying is wrong, okay? The people that are demonstrating shouldn't have to go to these extremes to get to have their voices heard, okay? But it is about, at the moment, the only option they have is to get out there and make a noise so that they're these views can be can be aired because at the moment, if you go out anywhere at all and you raise dissenting views, anything at all against the government narrative, you're branded. Yeah, your voice, your mark, you're given a name, you're called names. That's harassment. That's harassment. I have the right to do that peacefully. But when my when those options have been taken away, we have hate speech laws coming in here. Laws brought in by this government without any consultation, just passed and were to obey it, and that's it. So I have no option only to get noisy and rowdy about it, unfortunately. Yes, maybe we could do it another way. In fact, you're right. Uh, 
with risk now of upsetting some of the demonstrators, I won't say it. Yes, maybe it could have been done another way. I was actually sitting and thinking that, imagine that the energy they've put into this already in all these demonstrations, which I think they're right in doing because I don't agree with these books either being on the shelves and accessible to young people. If they had probably done it, if they'd used all that energy and put that into political activism to remove this government, the cause of all of this. The, 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 the protesters are, are, you know, they're possibly rightly upset to be constantly labelled militant or far right. Uh, but they're, they're also being labelled anti-LGBT. Would, would it be more correct, do you think, that they're, they would actually contend they're not anti-LGBT, they're anti-underage pornography? Yeah, but that, that is true. That is what they are. They're not anti-LGBT. You know, I'm an activist myself, and I are, you know, used to be. I'm getting old now. I've kind of retired a bit from it. But, uh, <clears throat> the same again, um, I'm, I, you know, I, I agree with them in what they're, uh, what they're propagating against is, you know, in the library is now access to these books. I, I, don't, I don't like them. I don't like those books. I don't think they should be there. But that's my opinion. I'd like to find out whether... Uh, I'm alone on that. I don't think so. But a lot of people feel that way. Okay. Um, you know, so, uh, but again, what can I do about it? Well, you can protest. It's, it's, uh, it's yeah, your right yeah. as an Irish citizen to protest, but to do so peacefully. I can protest, yeah. I can protest, but then I have to suffer being branded. All kinds of things. That, that's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm trying to focus in on. It's, it's, it's the so often unfair yeah. branding I'm trying to focus in on. And neither that was just... Uh, speaking there, you know, and uh, straight away the reaction is, is that, you know, the other callers calling in and saying, you know, oh, she wants out of the EU and she wants this, and she wants nationalists. And last time I looked, yeah, we have the right to be nationalist if we want. We have the right to freedom of religion, freedom of political, uh, political ideology. We can believe what we want. And if I want to belong to a party that is nationalist, that wants out of Europe, Yes, that's my right. Absolutely. That's my right. Go for it. Absolutely right. But as soon as you open your mouth and say that and stand up, put your head above the, the fence and say that, you're a far-right extremist. Okay, Paddy, I've got to go, but about? listen, th- thank you very much for your contribution. Uh, th- thanks a million. Marie is a retired teacher and she's been waiting quite a while uh, and she's on line one. Uh, hi, Marie, how are you doing? Hello, hi, is and it? thank you for giving me some air time. No problem. It's Marie, um, not Mary, is it? Uh, no, my name is Marie. Marie. I'm a retired school, secondary school teacher who still counsels teens. So I want to be the voice of teens today, Cork teens. And first of all, um, and, and this has been said two or three times in the course of your discussions today, uh, the, the objectors are saying that they're not LGBTQ, they're not anti-LGBTQ some of the protesters that they have with them are gay and lesbian people. And in town on Saturday, it happens with my two daughters, both in their mid to late 20s. And across the front door of the library, there was this enormous banner which said, male, there is only male and female. There is only male and female. So if you're a confused Cork teen, doesn't know if they're gay, doesn't know if they're lesbian, could possibly be transgender. And you happen to be in town and you see this. This is the message that's been given to them. So forget for a minute now about the books and about any political agendas, etc. 
just think for a minute about the teens in Cork. This group is saying they're not LGBTQ anti, and they have this enormous offensive banner, huge, across the library, saying there is only male and female. And this now, isn't, this isn't this, in a closed book filed away on a shelf in a library. This, this, is, is, visible this is not a public building. This is visible for any teens, whether they're gay, whether they're transgender, whether they're heterosexual, whether they're lesbian. Going walking through Cork on a Saturday, because lots of teens go into town on Saturday, lots of teens go into use the city library on Saturday, um, you know, because they use it as a place of study. Um, my own two used to use it when they were younger in different branches and things, and I can't say enough about the library and library staff, library service, but that's a different issue completely. My point is the hypocrisy on a few occasions where they say they're not LGBTQ anti, and this ginormous banner is across the library saying there is only male and female. Now, in addition to that, another speaker said some guy went into a pub in Weatherspoons and he had a T-shirt on saying there is only male and female. So congratulations, Weatherspoons. Congratulations that you threw that absolute bigot out. Shout out to you, Witherspoons, is all I say. So your your so, work, working or have worked with LGBTQ I've teens over the years? teens over the years. And have you, have you yes, witnessed the, the trauma that could be involved? In, yes, yes, yes. The sex education system, I'm kind of in my mid-60s now. So the sex education system in secondary schools, up to the time I was more or less retiring, really, was pretty poor. Absolutely abysmal, I would say. Down to the parents anyway. It is the parents' responsibility to educate their child sexually. But I was also, I suppose I consider myself relatively broad-minded, so I was given the job of counselling some teens that would be brave enough to raise their concerns with teachers in that. Right? Now, I can say no teen takes the decision lightly to decide whether they're gay, lesbian or transgender. It causes them an amount of trauma until they finally decide which gender to identify with. And then beyond that, what they need is support. If they're not getting the support at home, they certainly need it in the schools. And beyond that, what they don't need to see is a big banner saying something as offensive as there is only male and female. In your experience, Marie, do you think that these teens often have to go an, an intensely personal and often lonely journey? Not only a lonely journey, but sometimes you're talking about attempted suicide. You're talking about significant therapy sessions to get them to where they need to be. If they're lucky, they may be fortunate enough to have extreme support at home, which is a huge help. And also, just in relation to information and sex information, I'm not going to speak about this particular book that they're talking about, but generally speaking, sex information, when given properly, particularly if it's given by a parent at home or somebody who's qualified, sex education is power for young people because then they know if they are being abused, what's happening to them. If you don't have that information... And somebody is doing something to you. And this is the problem with, with what's happened historically over the years. You don't necessarily know, number one, that it's wrong. You don't necessarily know whether it's right. You know, so keeping children, well, we'll forget about we won't use the word children, keeping teens in the dark about sex is the wrong way to go. It's the wrong approach. 
information is key, support is key, advice is key. You know? And I mean this 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 whole protest is not about a book. And indeed I would say God help the poor children that have these people as their parents because look at the example they're setting. Imagine you're a parent and this is the example you're setting with a big banner up saying... But well, the, the very core, the very tenet of, of, of their existence as protesters is that they are responsible parents and, and that they love their children enough to make this stand. No, but imagine if one of them has a teen who identifies as transgen- transgender in the future. What are they going to do then? Look at the example they've said. That teen is going to think, my parents think I'm a complete freak. I remember when I was younger and they had this big banner up outside the library saying there's only male and female. I can't tell them. I can't tell anybody. I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll just go and commit suicide. You know, these are very real concerns. You're dealing with real teens and real people and real life. We're not, it's, not, it's not a political agenda. It's not about a book. It's about real teenagers with real problems in a society which is a very, very difficult society to live in today because you have so much social media and so much pressure and so much exam pressure on top of everything else. And you, you, I mean, you've seen it firsthand how difficult firsthand. this passage I mean, through life is to navigate, for, especially for someone who is, uh, you know, questioning their gender or, or maybe looking to, to progress me, on their journey. How can a group say they're not anti-LGBTQ and have that sign up and then have the audacity to go into a pub wearing an abhorrent T-shirt that says there is only male and female? Congratulations, Witherspoons. Congratulations that somebody has the guts to stand up to them and throw them out because it's just an absolute disgrace. And I mean, I'm representing a cohort of people in their 60s, female, retired teacher, who might necessarily have the greatest rep in terms of being open-minded in the normal sphere. But I mean, I was absolutely abhorred when I saw that sign. Absolutely abhorred. And then, as I say, my two daughters who'd be in their 20s, they just could not believe it. They just could not believe it. But what makes it most annoying is on two occasions, you had two different speakers who had the cheek to say, they're not anti-LGBTQ. L-G-B-T-Q. L-G-B-T-Q. And then they put up the sign saying there's no male and female. Okay, Maria, what's evident to me is that on both sides of the argument, there are convictions strongly held, and you certainly have uh, eloquently put your one across there. So, Marie, retired teacher, say you're happy you're out of it at some stage, but it frustrates you at, other, at other times. Huh? I'm not happy to be out of it because... You'd rather be back in the fray, ongoing. would you? This is ongoing, Neil. These are teenagers who I'm very concerned about in Cork City. There's a lot of them there, and, like, of the handful that have the guts to actually open up and talk about it, there's another 80% that are keeping it under the carpet, like. Yeah. There's a huge gap there for counselling. And then to be compounded by the fact that you have these signs. I mean, these people that are making these arguments are not listening to what they're saying. Maria, I'll I'll have to leave you there. I'll have some business of the show to get to and and acres and acres of texts. Um, But uh, thank you very much, Maria. And uh, if you've been affected by anything we've discussed there, can I remind you the Samaritans 
contact line is 116123. 116123. We're back in a moment. The number one talk show in Cork. If it's happening in Cork, Neil is talking about it. The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. And a very good morning from the Neil Prendeville Show at 16 minutes to 11. Now, a couple of competitions to uh, tell you about. Uh, all this week on the programme, we're giving one lucky listener a day the chance to win thanks to Multitrip.com. Now, if you're looking to book your next holiday, you can pack Multitrip.com with all of your other holiday essentials. And for more information or even to get a quote, it's uh, surprisingly reasonable. You can check out Multitrip.com forward slash IE. So we want you to look after making the memories and we'll take care of the travel insurance end of things at Multitrip.com with all your holiday essentials. But we'd like to hear your best Proposal stories. Let's try that one. A very funny proposal story came in one of the morning papers where a guy proposed by painting the side of a cow. Now, I'm not sure if uh, we can top that one, but if you have a proposal story, or uh, even if it's sweet, if it's wholesome, if it's cheeky, uh, then get in touch with us, please. You can uh, phone us on 0818104106. And, of course, our text and WhatsApp line is 0868104106. We're not asking you to do it for nothing either. €250 could be yours today, plus one Multitrip.com travel insurance policy. This is your European essential individual cover. And, by the way, if you want any more information on it, Instagram at Multitrip.com, Facebook Multitrip, or Twitter at Multitrip. Cover So multi-trip blue insurance on the Neil Prendeville Show, €250 to give away between now and uh, 12 o'clock with your best proposal story, please. Now, of course, it's Monday Munchies time. Do you and your crew need a Monday pick-me-up? Well, you can start the week on a high, a bit of a sugar high, and hit the sweet spot on the Neil Prendeville Show by scoring a box of delicious donuts for you and your workmates from Offbeat Donuts on French Church Street. Very popular competition. Text or WhatsApp us on 0868104106. Tell us who you are, where you're working, and most importantly, why you and your colleagues deserve a Monday treat. Our patrollers will deliver up to five boxes to a business every single Monday. That's 60 donuts, by the way. Offbeat Donuts creating circles of obsession and making moments of magic. Of course, their store is on French Church Street if you want to uh, pop along in person. Uh, very interesting uh, text we got from a listener. Before we go into the texts on the library protest, to, to which I hope we're giving a fair, a fair hearing uh, to both sides, I overhear, uh, overheard a housing developer at lunch in a pub in East Cork during the week. He was talking about the housing project he was building, says our texter. He said they hope to bring in for it around 12 to 15 million to bring it in, uh, bring it home, finish it for 12 to 15 million. But it'll sell for between 28 and 30 million. So they should double their money. Yet developers will tell us they can't make money. Is there any wonder house prices are as high as they are? God, we just seem to be getting ripped off in this country in all directions. House prices, rent, car insurance, restaurants, hotels... USC charge, the energy company, supermarkets, and they legally are able to get away with it. Also, my son works 40 hours on a normal week. Two weeks ago, he worked 51 hours, which would have put him up into the high tax bracket. He came out with 40 euros less than he would have received if he just worked 40 hours. So he worked 11 extra hours for 40 euro less. Why would anybody work overtime to lose money? It's just getting beyond a joke here. And thanks to Desi, 
for that very informative text. On the library protest, let's uh, scan down through some of these. Can you stop saying anti-LGBTQ? It's so far from the truth. I can't understand why uh, ye are using these terms. Uh, the protesters are anti-underage porn. Might have mentioned that in the question, actually. The library was closed before the banner was put up. Check the photos on Twitter to confirm that. Uh, the transgender ideology has gone crazy, says another texter. Organisations seem to be pushing this agenda onto people and parents. And they're just concerned people. The old far-right racist is being used again to silence concerned citizens. Mick, why don't you read out a bit of what those protesters are protesting about? After all, it's a book aimed at 12-year-olds. What could be in it? Uh, go on and read out the particular passages the protest is about. Somehow, I doubt you will. I don't have it to hand, but I'm no issue reading it out if I can put my hands on it. No problem at all. Uh, hi, Mick. Can you please ask the Lord Mayor if he's read uh, this book is gay? And if he has, would he read it to his child? Said uh, Mary Jane. Uh, five or six people. What a dope. No normal parent wants these books. Uh, not a texture says, our protest did not close the library. The library was closed well before we arrived. That's why we put the banner there. The library was empty. Get your facts right before publishing them. We're questioning the facts that we're trying to find out. And we uh, have requested uh, timestamps. Lord Mayor says he has a chronological order uh, given to him and what happened. And the timestamps would, it, it would seem, uh, paint a different picture. So we'll find out. Uh, there was not one English far right at our protest either. So stop spreading lies to make us look bad. Even the guard said we were the peaceful ones. I make you said it was a two-sided protest. To be fair, your words, the Cork Against Racism rally didn't block or close down the library on Saturday, said Ray. Uh, protesters, call it like it is, they're bullies, end of, says another texter. Why do we need a rainbow section? Is there a Muslim, Catholic, black or white section? When the Lord Mayor can't say the science that has been uh, since time began, there are only two genders, male and female, then we're finished. And we've more... Um, comments to uh, get through between now and 12 midday. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Nine minutes to 11. There's been a bit of a traffic accident on Cars Hill. Thanks to Keith for uh, sending me a voicemail on it. Uh, apparently kind of a couple of car collision. It's affecting the left-hand lane as you're heading up Cars Hill, uh, Cars Hill and heading towards Carragher Line. Uh, so maybe find an alternative route. Uh, could be cleared up by now, but uh, just be aware you could have some delays heading up Cards Hill towards Carrigal Line, uh, where there's an obstruction now in the left-hand lane because of an accident. So watch out for that. Thank you for holding for so long, Louise. Busy programme. Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, Mick, I wonder if you might clarify for me. You mentioned there earlier about gay pornography within the book. Just to confirm, you haven't yet read the book yourself, have no, you? No, I'd be happy to. Yeah, I think it probably would be a good idea because I think it would give you a good appreciation for what the discussion is surrounding. And the truth is, is that book has been out since 2014 and there's yet to be children come forward discussing how it, you know, perverted their mind or converted them to gay people. The reality is it's just another face of the same old argument, which is against LGBT people. The same argument that's been going on for 50 plus years, just by a different name and featuring different characters. Um, I can tell you that I was at the protest myself on Saturday and in fact I was very well positioned because I was between the two parties. I was playing some music and making some of the rackets that the 
the person previously was discussing. Um, first of all, it seems to me pretty alarming that that person was saying that they, you know, didn't want people to be shouting them down or playing music or banging or whistles. Um, apparently, their right to protest supersedes anyone else's right to protest, and that seems to me a bit of a contradiction. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Um, the right to counter-protest is something that's quite important, and particularly in light of the fact that they essentially held a private um, building hostage for several hours. Well, I now, suppose, I I suppose when, when protest meets counter-protest, voices can be mm-hmm. raised, volumes can go up, it, it can <laughs> get heated. Is that what happened? Well, I can tell you certainly that uh, a person in a tricolour felt it was comfortable enough to launch himself across um, a space uh, that was curved between the two areas in order to, I don't know, run, send threats. I can tell you that people passed me and another person who was there, that person is themselves trans and were happy to call us paedophiles as they were passing by. I can tell you that other people decided to come face to face with me because I was filming what was taking place and decided to get very physically threatening towards me. What I can tell you is that when there was heat involved, it was not on the side of the counter-protest, rather it was the people who were using the tricolour in order to, I don't know, send some message about nationalism. And really, to be honest with you, it's an embarrassment for the tricolour that they may be wearing it and using it for that purpose. Okay, well, you, they, they were calling you paedophiles apparently and you were calling them Nazis, is that correct? That's right, and I do believe that they are in fact Nazis, and I won't retract that statement. I think they're fascists. I think they're happy to crush down anything that counters them. They're happy to come on air and discuss what they think of um, certain books that are placed in libraries. They're happy to shut down a public facility for several hours on end. But they're contending they didn't shut it down. It was closed already. Regardless of what the the actual timeline is, Mick, what you and I both know is that they've been going in and consistently harassing library staff. I'm sure you might have been present at the previous protest from Forza that was organised in opposition to this. I'm sure you've seen some of the videos that are going around. They're happy to walk into a library space to go up to a person who is themselves a civil servant and to harass them about content over which they have no control. Instead of taking their arguments about books being censored, etc., to the people who are responsible for it, they're happy to walk into bookstores and places all around the city and harass people who, frankly, are on minimum wage and are not deserving of that. They're happy to call those people names and to threaten them and to be present and to be live-streaming them, invading their privacy. If you wouldn't call that fascistic behaviour, then I don't know what it would be, you know? Mm. And if that doesn't require counter then really it is an embarrassment on the state. It's a stain on the state that you can allow people to hang a banner across a public building for several hours denouncing trans people. And I know Marie, who spoke prior to me, has discussed a very real impact for this. And let's make no bones about it because we have those statistics that 75% of children in schools will hear anti-LGBTQ statements towards them. Many of them will feel unsafe in bathrooms and unsafe in changing rooms. And if you have people out on the streets blazing a banner across a public building, then that sends a very clear message to LGBTQ youth. Now, they may claim it's not about anti-LGBTQ. That's because their messaging is unclear. And it's because they can't keep consistent in their in their statements. If it's not anti-LGBTQ and they claim it's something about, 
not wanting to share sex education, then tell me why a book that's been out for nearly a decade is only getting this attention now, is only drawing this kind of frenzied mania around it. It's because they've latched on to another issue that puts forward their point. And let's be honest, they have big banners saying, you know, they're anti-globalist and they're, it's our country, um, Ireland for the Irish. They're anti-refugee, they're anti-migration, they're uh, claiming to be anti-war when in reality what they want is to stop anyone from coming into this country. And I'll tell you that I stand at protests all the time. It's, it's something I was at a housing protest a couple of weeks ago and not one single person from this so-called group that's so concerned about housing the Irish were at that housing protest, which really tells you all their ideology. It goes about as far as to shut down public spaces and to threaten violence and intimidate other people. But when it comes to standing up for their actual beliefs, they're nowhere to be found. And there is what, what, what I'd like to properly define. I believe the library was, was to be open until 5.30pm on Saturday. So was it closed because of the impending protest? Or um, did yes, the protest actually constant. start and close it? So when they turned up, which they turned up earlier than their actual protest, they turned up at approximately 12.30pm. Now, there was awareness that this protest was taking place. And so uh, whether the timeline is just before, just after the group arrived, the library closed because they were aware that people were coming in who were likely to harass them. Whether it closed because of the banner is irrelevant. Let's be honest about that. Whether it closed just before, just after, the timeline is not important here. What's important is that the library were aware that there was threat to their staff by people who have consistently been coming in, been harassing them, been capturing them on video, been uh, demanding things of them that literally is beyond their control. And so they made a decision to close their doors. Whether they did so at 12.28 or 12.32, that's not important to this conversation. But there, there's, a pic, there's a picture up on Facebook from 11.49. Mm-hmm. So they were there um, earlier than 12.30. Exactly. So whenever the decision was made to close the library, it was done out of an abundance of caution to protect the staff within it. And what I can tell you is that I spoke with the Garda inspector who was on site on that particular day. I spoke with city council staff and city council staff spoke with library staff. And what I can tell you is that there was an atmosphere of fear. Okay, who who was the most vocal? The counter-protest or the actual protest? Well, what I can tell you is that I stood with the speaker and I played some music towards them. So thankfully, I did not have to hear the vitriol that was coming out of their mouths. And I can tell you that the counter-protesters thankfully outnumbered these so-called protesters by a very large margin. And even with it being a national display and even with them importing people from abroad, which in fact they did do. They said they did And they still were only able... Oh, but yeah, but we have pictures and we have video proof of who was attending it. Okay, Louise, and, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to leave you there, but thank, thank you for your contribution. I want to leave it here for this hour with this yeah. text that came in. Unbelievable that people are aiming their anger at the wrong thing. The protesters are not asking the book to be banned, but for it to be moved from the children's section. I'm astounded that the people rallying against the protesters haven't even read the book. The content is pornography aimed at children. Since uh, when do our libraries start putting pornography on the children's bookshelves? If you object to the protesters, at uh, the very least, read the book before you criticise these people. Otherwise, it's total hypocrisy. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Let's go to our phone lines and uh, all the way down under to uh, Amy Murphy on line two. Hiya, Amy. 
Hey, how's it going? You're from Ballyvalan. You're from Ballyvalan and you're living in Brisbane for the last 11 years. I am, I am. Okay. The accent hasn't changed much. I can tell. Uh, just quickly before it's set, getting very busy here. The city is green tonight. We have the best supporters in the world. From the, the, the pub sessions beforehand to just families coming out that have been here for years. It's absolutely brilliant. So I wish all the girls the best tonight. They deserve a win. Come on, Ireland! Yes! Wow, there's a great gang there, Amy. What are you, what are you doing there for the last 11 years? You're working? Are you mum? What's happening? I am, yeah. I'm uh, working as a, a marketing manager out here for a technology company. So, yeah. Okay, and you're in the stadium at the moment, are you? Sorry? You're in the stadium at the moment? I am, yeah. I'm in, I'm in row eight, so you might even see me on the TV as well <laughs> if you're looking at it. A shout, a shout out to my folks at home. They're all in uh, Murphy's Rock Bar there on the north side, so... Well, they're, prob- they're probably not listening to us now. They're probably looking at the TV. Well done to everybody. Thanks, Amy. Come on, Ireland. Have a good one. Cheers. Great atmosphere there. Let's go to uh, line three and another great character. And that's Keith. Good morning, Keith. Hello. Ole, 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 ole. No, I'm told to need... I'm told Denise O'Sullivan's mother is your aunt, is that right? Oh, it's a great spot, the Fairfield Tavern, in for the match. Uh, Denise O'Sullivan's oh. mum is your aunt, is it? She is, no, that's Smiley. That's what he calls her, Smiley. Every time you see Nola, she's smiling. No, make any chance, though, that you might throw the old door that's up to us. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, we're all up here now, as you know, and there's none of us heavy. The donuts would be lovely today. We'll stay happy. We'll put you in with a draw, all right? It's a kind of a backdoor entry, but we'll put you in with a draw, but we have to yeah. be fair to everybody oh, else. Mate, do the politician draw. What's right. that? Oh, so look, if the politician gets on you, he's going to get the donuts. <laughs> I doubt it somehow. <laughs> uh, who, who do you fancy for the match? It's a kind of a must win for Ireland. I know there's no yep. logistical way they can go through. Um, so, do you know what, no, Mick? I tell you the truth, they've done the whole country proud. When I, when I say it's a must win, of course, I'm not talking mathematically. Uh, but, but, you know, know. For, for, to give themselves a bit of a lift coming home... It would be nice to have one win under their belt because they played they played a very good tournament. There was one sort of accident. I would make I be honest with you though, that's what though. Huh? I'm not saying they could have won it. Oh, things went against them, do yeah. you know what I mean? Like but make they'll be there again. Denise O'Sullivan will be there again. Me cousin. I tell them all in every bed. That's me cousin, Denise O'Sullivan. <laughs> no, make it's not that everybody has a, a cousin playing in the World Cup, you know? That's true, too, if you think of it that way. You know, and that's not my fault, Mick. <laughs> and you're the chosen cousin. one, is it? You know, and, Mick, I have another uh, cousin plays with the cock holders. And she's the captain, but look, that's not my fault, Mick. I don't. Well, Keith, <laughs> we'll, we'll put you in the draw for the donuts. I'm going to give that a plug now no. as well, so... Uh... Oh, 
Uh, that's Keith and all the gang in the Fairfield Tavern. He mentioned our donut competition. If you want a Monday, pick me up and start the week on a bit of a sugar high. You can hit the sweet spot here on the Neil Prendeville Show by scoring a box of delicious donuts for you and your workmates from Offbeat Donuts on French Church Street. You need to text or WhatsApp us on 0868104106. Tell us uh, who you are, where you're working, and more importantly, why you and your colleagues deserve a Monday treat. And the Red Patrollers will deliver up to five boxes to a business every Monday. That's 60 donuts. That'll keep the Fairfield Tavern going. Offbeat donuts creating circles of obsession and making moments of magic. Their store courses on French Church Street. And uh, get that uh, text in to us now. That number again, 0868 104 106. Cork's number one talk show. The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. At 15 minutes past 11 o'clock on this Monday morning, the last day of July, we're changing topic and changing direction. Uh, and I think this is going to be as engaging as the uh, the library demonstrations and the uh, many, many, many hundreds of texts that I've still to try to get to on that topic. But everybody these days is looking at housing, whether it's for themselves, whether it's for a family member, whether they're trying to figure out how much mortgage they can get, whether they're trying to navigate through whether they're entitled to development grants or uh, re-insulating grants and all that kind of thing. And some people have no idea, I think, what grants are available to people buying. Uh, I'm joined by Shane Finn of uh, D&G Creedon uh, on line one. Morning to you, Shane. Good morning, Mick. How are you? I'm good. Now, the um, the whole thing of this mortgage of, say, 390 um, being still far less than rent prices. It, it, you know, I, and I know I, I'm probably, and I'm assuming, that's a 30-year mortgage now, not a 20-year one, is it? So I suppose I'll just track back slightly, I suppose. So firstly, the reason you're ringing me is because of a development that we launched in a, an amazing location in Cork City over the weekend. I was going to get to that because people were sleeping yeah. in their cars. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we had uh, 19, um, we had 19 people waiting for a Saturday morning. Uh, well, sorry, 19 cars, 19 purchasers. There was about 30 or 40 people waiting for us at 7 o'clock. Uh, 7 so o'clock. The at, yeah, we opened the gates at half 7 and we did the official launch at uh, 11 a.m. So I suppose the, the location of the site is, uh, it's in Bishopstone. It's out the Waterfall Road. Um, and I, I suppose it's a little bit like, um, it's an extension of the city. So if you could imagine putting water on a table and watching the water run out, that's what this is. It's an extension of the city. So the city is pushing out. So the development, uh, it's been built by um, one of Cork's best uh, development companies. They're called Bridgewater Construction. Um, I released 42 houses Saturday morning and we sold them all in one sitting. Okay. And, and um, what sort of preference did those first 19 car occupiers get? So it was done on so so the fairest way, and we felt so 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 what happened was we advertised the development um it was twelve or fourteen days before the launch. It was actually thirteen days before the launch, so we advertised it on a Friday at half twelve, and by two p m we had a hundred inquiries which uh for for a number of hours we had we were averaging an inquiry every minute and a half wow. So we, within 13 days, uh, we went from launching to actually having people on site and people securing their new family home, A-rated family home, um, within walking distance of the city. The development has a cycle. Uh, developer ha- One part of the planning requirement was the developers required to put in footpaths and cycle pathways uh, to link into the city. So... Like this development, you could live in this development without any car or 
you could live in this development if you had a family, let's say, instead of having two cars, you could you could easily you could get run away with one. One, yeah, and you know, an electric bike or a bike or whatever, you know. There's pathways then which bring you down to the supermarket in Duns and Bishopstown. So from a location point of view, it's exceptional. Like I'm actually on site at the moment. I'm here at the minute coming up, picking up materials and meeting my client and like I'm looking out, I can see CUH. Uh, to the left hand side of me, I can see Marymount Hospice and uh, I can pick out the Elysian Tower. Um, like the location is absolutely so, uh, exceptional. Okay, so you're sold out, so you've nothing really to sell here. Uh, but I'm, what, I'm, I'm just interested say, in the optics so, of people sleeping in cars. I know it happens in Dublin. Sure. It happens in Dublin quite sure. a lot. Yeah, but I, I okay, so... I, I'm sold out in phase one. That's phase one. So this is there's there, there's a number of phases for the development. So yes, phase one is sold. But I will have other phases, and I'd love, I would love to talk to any of your listeners for further phases. And if they jump onto our website, they can actually register. And then once we're launching, we'll notify them. So there will be other phases. There will be other houses. And we on the day we put through 66 uh, purchasers. Now some just came up for a look. Some weren't ready, so we only spoke to people that were ready, able to go, and able to actually, you know, they have their mortgage approvals in place and they're ready to rock and roll. So um, there were some people that we had to turn away, or there were some people that, you know, they were looking for different house types, uh, but they'll be ready for phase two, and we'd be delighted to deal with them for phase two, and we have all the details and we will be in touch with them. Okay, so how does it work for Joe and Mary's Hope, let's say? Yeah, sure. Um, they, okay, so, obviously, if they have documentation to say we're pre-approved, yeah. Uh, they've they've okay. got a fair chance, and and they I won't say they can yeah. skip the queue, but they'll be given preferential treatment. No, so so the way we did it was it was done on a first come first serve basis. So uh, anybody that came, uh, the developers actually had security up here uh, for the protection of the the public. So they were you know as you arrived, you we noted they they noted uh, your order of preference. So then at seven o'clock when myself and the DNG. Uh, Creed and Finn O'Connor team came up. Uh, we gave everybody a number and you were called out by number. And then it was done by number. So you had the first choice, second choice, third choice, etc., etc. And if you didn't like what was there, you didn't buy. So as opposed to, you know, uh, us doing something online, you know, everybody came up, they could see what they were buying. We had a marketing suite on site. Uh, we had drawings done up and you could actually see what you were doing and you could actually see the views and you could see the location and like where the, the site offices are on site, you're right in the centre of the site. So you could really get a feel. But you're still buying off plan, Shane. You're still buying off plan. You can stand on the site and have a look, but you're buying off yeah, plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, 100% you're buying off plan. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the you asked me an original question. I know I kind of shot forward ahead. And you asked me about uh, Mary and uh, Joe Blogs, and you asked me about a purchase price of three hundred and ninety thousand. So let's let's just drill into that because part of our brochure we actually explained to people um, about uh, the cost of what it was going to cost you, you know, versus mortgages versus rents, and we actually broke that down to to show people what your mortgage repayments would be. So. Will, will I explain a little bit about yeah. the different types of incentives and things like that? Okay. Please do. So, so, there's, so, so, okay, so on our brochure, I don't know if you have a copy of it there in front of you or not, but on our brochure, uh, we looked at a purchase price of €400,000. So that was actually our entry price. So it was four hundred up to 500000 were were our pricing. And there was various different types of houses within that pricing. So we just looked at 400000 as an example. So 
there are two government incentives out there for purchasers that are looking to purchase new family homes, homes, not apartment homes. So uh, one of them is a first-time buyer grant, and uh, that's called the Help to Buy. So the Help to Buy entitles a purchaser, if they are working in Ireland and paying PRSI for five years, they're entitled to either 10% of the purchase price up to a maximum of thirty thousand euros. So obviously, it's thirty thousand, not ten percent of four hundred. It's not forty grand; it's thirty grand. Exactly. So it's it's thirty thousand, right? Now that's a grant. Now, if you're working in Ireland for one year, it's done on a sliding scale. So the more years you work, the more years you pay PRSI, the bigger the amount, and then it caps out at the thirty thousand or the the ten percent, whichever is greater. Okay. Right? Yeah. All right. And then there's then there's another scheme called the first home scheme. So the first home scheme was something that was brought out very recently. Um, I think it's out maybe 18 months and it has been tweaked. And the reason it's been tweaked is that the bands, um, they've increased the bands basically to capture more people, right? So the first home scheme was brought out um, to help people to get them on the ladder. People that uh, are caught in this, you know, never ending, you know, hamster wheel where they just can't get off it. They're stuck in rental accommodation, they're paying big rents, and they can't save. And then when they go to their bank, their bank is saying, well, we're not taking the rent into consideration. They're saying, but look, I'm paying this massive rent, and I can definitely pay the mortgage. And the bank is saying, well, no, I I, I need to see you saving as well on top. So the first home scheme... It's, it's open to everybody. Again, the same. You have to hit, hit certain criteria similar to the first-time buyer grant. Okay, so and this the, information is available, I, I imagine, in most oh, yeah, auctioneers' offices. Online. Yeah, yeah. Or no, online. No, please go online. It's all there. There's government forums. It's all there. Okay, and so make you yourself want, aware of all, of all of the grants you might possibly be entitled 100%. to. 100%. And, oh. and, and wait, wait till you hear about the first home scheme, right? Because it, it's actually a game changer for people, right? So, so you, you get 20%... Uh, of the purchase price um, of, of, a, of a grant up to 20%, right? So if, let's say, the bank offer you, uh, say, 300,000 euros in a mortgage and then you get 30,000 from the, the help to buy and you're short 70,000 and you just can't come up with it, you don't have the bank of mom and dad, you're stuck in rental accommodation and, you know, all you're doing is working hard and you're stuck. Yeah, the so hamster wheel. The, exactly. So, so 70,000 into 400,000 is obviously less than 20%. So, so, so you'll get 80, you, will you? Yeah, you will. But it's, it's the maximum, you, you must get your maximum mortgage, so it's called an approval in principle. So whatever your maximum mortgage is, they'll give you up to 20%. Okay. So in, in, in the examples that we're running, right, so it's 400,000 and you get 80,000, right, 20% of that is 80,000, plus you get uh, the first-time buyer grant, so 30 plus so 80 30. is 110. Right? Yeah, so you only need so, to borrow two ninety, correct? Plus conveyancing, and, plus legal. Yeah, which is yeah, exactly. But you've got the great advantage. So, like, I'm selling here off plan. So you've got twelve months to, it, to save. Is there stamp duty on a new house? Yeah, there is. So it's one percent of the purchase price less that, and that is thirteen and a half percent. So if you say four hundred thousand, if you multiply it by eighty six point five. Uh, that's what the, the, the stamp duty will be. So it'll 1%. probably be around 3,300. Now, I don't have a calculator on me, but... Okay, it's no problem. I'm just interested yeah. in the level of public demand and interest yeah. in, 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 sure. in schemes so, such as yeah. this. But yeah, I, I, I have to ask the devil's advocate question here. Are all of these yeah. grants just pushing the prices up for, the, uh, for, for developers? Right, that could be an argument. 
but it's 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 that could be an argument. But but on the flip side, it's getting it's getting stuff built. So thirty to forty percent of every new house is taxed through direct and indirect taxes. It's getting stuff built. The costs of materials have gone up as a result of COVID. The market will pay what the market is willing to pay. Uh, you know, so that's one argument. But uh, the other argument is the government are getting people out of rental accommodation or stuck on that hamster wheel. Are stuck. They're paying stupid rents, crazy rents. That's the payoff obscene for the grants rent. for the government, I imagine. Yeah, obscene, obscene. So, like, let, let, let me finish the thought process about 290,000. And I, I'm just going to show you how amazing this is, right? So, the 80,000 euros uh, you've got, it's interest free for five years. And then from year, five, or from year six to 15, you pay 1.75%, which is really cheap money. And then from year 16 on, I think it goes up to 2. 2.15. So again, research it online, but you'll see what I'm saying about the cost of money on the on the help to buy scheme. So let's look at the 290,000 euros. So what we did on our brochure was we wanted to show because 400,000 is a, it sounds like a lot of money and it is a lot of money, but when you break it down into real terms and you use these grants, you're left at 290. So let's look at the mortgage terms on 290,000 euros. So if you look at 20 years, 25, 30, and 35 years. Uh, Bank of Ireland are doing a, a fixed rate for four years at 3.4%. So if you look at, say, 35 years at 290,000, it's 1,182 euros a month. And then if you look at 20 years and 290,000, it's 1,667 euros a month. Now, the house that I'd be selling you at 400,000 euros we have rented similar houses. R- rather than get into all of the minutiae of the numbers, how does it no, work out against renting in Bishopstown? I'm going to tell you. So we've rented similar houses at €2,500 a month. So you've got a mortgage repayment of €1,667 over 20 years versus €2,500. Okay, so you're saving 900 a month. Yeah, and then multiply, well, it's 850 approximately. So multiply that then by 12, and then that's net money. So then multiply that by two to make it gross money, and it works out to be a saving of €20,400 per annum. In real terms. saving, and you have your own house. And you have your own it's house. It's your own house. It's your own house. In an area where appreciation is likely to happen, it has to be said and, as well. And it's your own house forever. And, like, the, the government, like, the difficulty with housing is it's like a train. It takes ages to start and it takes ages to stop. So, like, it, 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 it's going to take time for this to get sorted. So, like, you, you have your own house. The government are trying to get people, and they are trying to help people to get them out of, of, of rental accommodation. And by these incentives, it's freeing up rental accommodation. Are you looking and forward to more people sleeping in cars for you, for, to satisfy the demand? Oh, no, I, ne- I, I, ne- I never look forward to that. But, but you, th- there's, a, there's an opposite spin to, to that, right? The opposite spin is, um, how clever are the people that did sleep in cars? Aren't they very clever? Because they secured a house. Small price to a, pay. It's it's exactly it's A rated. Uh, you or, or sorry, it's it's got an A energy rating. It's got underfloor heating. You you get to pick out your own kitchen. You've got views of the city. You're pretty much within walking distance of the city if you if you wanted to, or you could cycle distance within the city. You've got views of the city. You've got a ten year structural guarantee. You're you're getting a house from. Uh, Bridgewater Construction, who are ISO uh, recognised. Right, r- rather than turning this into a huge advert, can, can you tell I, us when, when, when is phase two on release, <laughs> Shane? 
Uh, I would expect it, 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 it might be this year or it could spill into next year. I think it's probably, you're realistically looking at probably eight months. Probably. Yeah, look, the main message here is there is help and assistance out there yes, uh, that there a lot is. of people don't know about yeah. and haven't researched exactly. properly. And exactly. it behoves everybody who's and, looking for a house and, to do and, that investigation. And, it, and, and I know, the, I know uh, look, I, I didn't like to see anybody sleeping in cars. But like the first person that I met on Friday evening when I went down to the gates because we were in here getting set up. I was in here with the team getting set up. And I and we looked and we went, oh my God, there's five cars at the gates at five by six. And I went down and I started talking to them and I apologized to everybody. And the first girl I spoke to, who was actually the first person who stayed to greet the house, she was so happy, Mick. She was so excited. She thanked me. I said, look, I'm so sorry that you're here. I said, what house are you going for? And she said, said uh, I'm going for the, the three beds. She said, I'm so excited. I'm doing this by myself. Uh, I'm just so excited. And I said, I'm so excited for you as well. Oh, brilliant. And, you know, and, and she and got honestly, it. And she did. Yeah. And she got it. And she was our first Shane, lawyer, I, I, I was think so happy. I think we could do a full program, a full three-hour Neil Prandeville um, program on... Uh, property alone, and we'd be happy to call you back if that happens. Okay? I'd be delighted to speak to you. Yeah. Be delighted. Thanks a million, Shane. That's Thank sh- you very much. And can I just say, I'd like to wish uh, the warmest uh, uh, congratulations to all of the purchasers here on Saturday. Okay. And I hope that their houses bring them a lot of, lo- a lot of luck and happiness. It's a nice, happy story in what's uh, often a very fraught area. Uh, with people, you know, houses falling through and loans falling yeah. through and mortgages and that, falling and that's through. It. And, and there was no bidding wars out here. The price was set. That was it. You came out, you picked out the one you wanted and that was it. That's and the we, fairest we, thing of all, isn't it? Yeah, and we, you know, we, we took out our hand and we shook it and we said, congratulations, you've just bought a new house. Wow. There's, a, there's others who would auction them, I would, I, would, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, but you know, everybody left here floating and there was a few people out to wait a few hours and we carved coffee roasters up here and we were feeding people bananas and water and chocolate and everything. Go on. I swear to you. I swear <laughs> everybody was buzzing leaving. All right, Shane, thanks a million. Talk Cheers. You Just, thank you very thank much. You very much. Bye bye. That's Shane Bye. Finn of Douglas Newman Good. Creedon, DNG Creedon. Um, we've got a mortgage expert on the line in a moment, Joey Sheehan. You're listening to Court's number one talk show. I just think he's a brilliant interviewer. The Neil Prenderville Show on Court's Red FM. And a very good morning at 25 minutes to 12. Joey Sheehan is of MyMortgages.ie and is a veritable mortgage expert. Morning to you, Joey. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we've we've spoken before. Look, t- to date, the Irish property market has been pretty resilient. Um, but it, it has to be said, in the spate of nine consecutive interest rate rises from the ECB, how much more can this go on? How long can it continue? Yeah, there's been a big hit to people um, in the last year, uh, Mick. Um, so the ECB has raised from zero to 4.25% last week. Uh, so for <clears throat> all borrowers, but in particular for tracker mortgage holders, so the average tracker mortgage in the country left is in the region of 220,000. And if we take a 15-year term remaining at a margin of 1%, that means those borrowers are paying an additional 438 per month or 5,256 annually based on the increases in the last 12 months. And that's net. That's after tax. That, that, that's net. That, that's substantial. So... What we are seeing a huge shift now is last year we were saying to you know tracker people we weren't saying to everybody we were saying it strongly but you know consider switching um, you know last year and there were rates as low as one point nine one point nine five percent available some people did switch but even today even though the rates have increased substantially we still have rates as low as three point six available so there's a three three year fixed of three point six available which in the example I gave there, if somebody were to switch onto that, they could reduce their monthly payment by 177 per month or about 2,124 
annually. So there are, even though rates have increased substantially, there are there are still options out there to switch and reduce the interest you're paying to your bank. Okay, so very much like the insurance industry, you would be a mortgage broker. You'd be dealing with various suppliers, would you? Yeah, so we have eight, eight agencies with different lenders. So what I'd urge anybody with any mortgage, if you're thinking about a new mortgage, you have, a, you have one for a year or two, or you have a tracker rate for 20 years, or no matter what your situation is, contact a mortgage broker. Um, you know, when people contact us, what we'll do is we'll say, what have you got at the moment? You know, is that competitive? Uh, what, what options are there with your current lender? What options are there with other lenders? And in most cases now, what we're doing is we're, we're switching people to um, alternative lenders because there are some, some, some better deals when you're switching in. You might get cash back and things like that, which will cover the cost. But no matter what your situation is, take uh, advice for, from uh, a, a mortgage broker um, like ourselves and, and we, we'll point you in the right direction and it could be worth thousands. Um, thousands. And I, I know I've used this example before, but we've seen people, you know, chopping and changing their gas, their electricity, getting rid of their sky, you know, even holidays and different things they're cutting back like the example I just gave there if you could save over two grand simply by switching provider maybe that means you can go on a foreign holiday this year uh, as opposed to not yeah and for those who are looking at property for the first time uh, it's still generally cheaper to repay a mortgage isn't it than to and the, the yeah. dead money of paying rent I mean as Shane Finn said there from DNG Creedon at least you'll own the house you'll own it forever it'll be yours and I agree 100% with that. So I took an example here of actually, it was actually Bishopstown as well. Um, so it, we looked up what was for sale in Bishopstown. So we took a purchase price of 450. And we said if somebody was borrowing 90%, we call it 400,000 to, to, to buy that property. There's With one of the lenders, there's actually a 30-year fixed rate of 4.1%, which means the rate will not change for 30 years. So 400,000 over 30 years at 4.1%, the monthly payment is 1,932. The cheapest house we could find similar in Bishopstown to rent, and I think there was one, was about two and a half grand a month. So you could have a guaranteed fixed interest rate for 30 years for under two grand a month versus a minimum, I suppose, and and two and a half grand a month. And, you know, there's no guarantee that your your tenure will continue there in the long term. Okay, so are people switching at a slower rate now? Or are they saying, okay, nine in a row? This can't go on forever. The rates will have to come down. Well, I think actually what's happened is that the, the ECB was set at zero and it was steady for a long time. So rates generally with the banks were fairly steady. You know, they did vary slightly. Uh, now we're, we're close enough to the top. We'll probably see, you know, they're saying the experts, uh, you call me an expert, I'm not sure about that, but <laughs> the European experts are saying we'll probably see um, maybe another quarter, um, maybe a second quarter, but we're, we're fairly close to the top of it now. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, so now it's easier to kind of see what's available and compare because what we did see last year, we were switching from lender A to lender B and before we got to draw down lender B the rates had increased so it just it scuppered everything whereas now the rates with the banks have kind of settled down a little bit there will be still some changes but it's, it's easier to assess what you have and what's available elsewhere and to actually achieve that so we are seeing an upswing in um, people switching mortgage now again yes yeah okay uh, we've got a particular question for you uh, myself and my partner were planning to build in family land 
we applied for our mortgage. We got approved in principle with, let's just say, a high street bank. We, we progressed with the plan, drew up the plan, site evaluation, percolation test, hired our engineer and solicitor. We were all but ready to begin construction. We signed contracts with our third-party company who were overseeing the project. Last minute, the bank rejected our mortgage and the whole thing ended up leaving us about eight grand plus and 18 months of planning and stress down the drain. Surely the bank could have rejected us outright at first as opposed to dragging it out and rejecting it last minute. Would that have been because of the interest rate increases? Um, well, everybody's circumstance is different. So I'd, if, if that person wants to contact us at my mortgages after the show, I'd be delighted to, to try and help them. But there are, you know, this, this, is, this is something that people get into, get into a, a cot sometimes. Just because one bank says no, it doesn't mean that another bank would say no. So different banks have different credit policies. And we, we'd often hear of somebody getting refused at one bank and then we go into a different bank and because the policy is different, um, th- there's no issue whatsoever. So there are a number of banks doing self-built mortgages and um, you know they do have different policies. They can vary based on how much you need to be saving and how much deposit you need. And in fact, for people building a house, you don't actually need any savings with some banks once you have value in the site. So if you've got gifted a site and it's worth 50 or 80 grand or whatever, that basically counts as your savings or your deposit. So, Because um, they're just trying to cover themselves with, with your savings, really, aren't they? They want that little bit of equity to make, make sure you pay the mortgage. Exactly, but if that's in the site, then that, that counts. So um, if, that, if that listener wants to contact us afterwards, we'd be delighted to talk to them. We'll certainly pass on your information. What about alternatives for people who are trapped uh, with vulture funds now? Yeah, so um, we're seeing more and more of this. So some people um, that are with vulture funds, uh, basically, and they might never even have been in arrears, um, which is the frustrating part, and they've always paid their mortgage. So some of these funds are charging rates as high as in excess of 9%. So we actually do have one alternative for for people in excess who are over 60. So if people are under 60, um, you know, they can look at, you know, maybe trying to refinance. Restructuring, yeah and just take out a new mortgage basically and if you owe 150 or 200,000 to one of these funds you basically take it out with one of the mainstream banks and then pay off the, the, the other fund and that, that works fine but the issue with a lot of these borrowers is that they're a little bit older because the, the loans would have taken out maybe 20 years ago or more so if somebody is over the age of 60 we have a product available with with a company called Spry, Spry Finance it's called a lifetime loan where basically they can release equity in their home um, and you don't actually make any repayments on it. It's repaid after you, you're deceased, and the interest rate applicable is in the region of 6.5%. So the lifetime loan um, isn't necessarily the, the first port of call, but if somebody <clears throat> is in desperation and they're paying in excess of 9%, wouldn't 6.5% be better than 9.5%? Well, of course it would be hugely better. Um, what 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 about the situation where these um, well, they're now exorbitant compared to what they were? These interest rates um, from the ECB is that affecting various sectors of property price level? Uh, for instance, you know we're seeing a lot of appreciation in houses that start at the, the three hundred four hundred thousand mark, uh, but maybe a lot of stagnation in the upper end of the market. We're not seeing that. Um, no, we're not seeing that. We're seeing a strong level of interest um, at all properties in Cork, all levels. I suppose somebody who's buying a house for, we'll, we'll say, a million, um, they're probably selling a house for five or 600,000, and they've probably done well in that house. Maybe they bought it originally for you know, 300,000 some, some time back. Um, also, I think the economy generally is strong here. 
we've we've basically full employment earnings are strong um, <clears throat> there's a lot of people maybe back in Cork that would have been working in Dublin or London and maybe they've got um, you know salaries commensurate with Dublin and London you know earnings so they have a bigger firepower when it comes to Cork property or they might have sold a property abroad or, or, or maybe in Dublin and you know a million euros isn't a massive amount relatively for, for some of those people so we're seeing strong level of interest um, across all, all parts of the market Okay would, would those people necessarily need, need your services? If well, they have that yes. kind of wherewithal. Yeah, so, so some people, you know, they, they could have cash, they might have sold a property somewhere, they might have had it built up, a, you know, 20 years of working abroad and a lot of savings. So uh, they, they mightn't, but, but generally people will want, want some portion of a mortgage, um, even if they have a lot of cash. So, you yeah. know, on the houses for 1.5 million, a lot of them might be cash buyers and some of them might be borrowing maybe half of it, whereas generally at the lower end of the market, you know, up to three, three, four, five hundred thousand. Borrowers are probably borrowing, you know, 80, 90% of that. Yeah. Okay, building on family land, is is that complicated now or is it getting easier? Um, you, you, once you get your planning, so, so you, you know, you need to get on to your, your architect or your engineer, get, get your planning in place and once you qualify and, and you can build what you want and you've got, um, meet all the, the building and regulatory requirements in terms of, um, you know, you know, biocycle units and things like that, um, then, once you get that grant of planning, then there are banks that will lend and there's no issue with the finance then once you have your full grant of planning. Okay. And for first-time buyers who may be listening or maybe their parents are listening right now, is the services that My Mortgages MyMortgages.ie offer open to them? Uh, you know, some of them are saying they're, we're traipsing around banks and getting all, uh, getting all these ridiculous questions. For, for instance, I know somebody who was refused a mortgage flatly uh, just because there was so many uh, uh Alcoholic transactions, shall we say, from the local pub on the on on, on the debit card, and, and that's the kind of detail the banks are going into now. Your spending habits and that kind of thing. So, is 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 there an option for them to come to somebody like yourself, Joey, and and you you can cut through the maze if you like and say you're going to need this 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 and this. Come back to me when you have yeah, it. Yeah, well, 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 I'd like to know how did the person working the bank know that they weren't drinking zero zero? Maybe they were. <laughs> That's but, true uh, too. Maybe maybe it was food. But um, well, if, effectively, the banks don't want to see gambling. That's that's a big no no. Um, if, if you've got a five or a tenner here or there, you know they'll overlook that. But I would say if you want to put on a bet, just just withdraw from the ATM and go into, go into the, the the bookies or whatever. It's probably a better way to regulate it anyway because you know you're more disciplined. But. Um, um, once you're saving, the bottom line is once you're saving enough and you can show proven repayment ability, it doesn't really matter if you're if you're going out buying you know clothes or or, or going out to, to into town or whatever it is. But we, we'll set a plan in place. You know, you need to be saving a thousand a month or, or fifteen hundred a month or whatever it is. But what I'd say to people is that as a couple. Well, it depends on how much you want to borrow. So yeah. let, let's just say if you wanted to borrow, we'll say three hundred thousand. That might be in the region of. 1500 euro but the figure last year so somebody was thinking about buying a house last year they said we need to save 1500 euro a month now because rates have gone up a few percent since that might be 2000 a month so what what I'd say is that whatever you think you need to be saving save more increase it so but if they contact us here we we can give them that figure and and they'll know exactly what they need to be doing but if you're in any doubt save that bit more okay 
Uh, Joey, it's always been enlightening to talk to you and mymortgages.ie is where you can be contacted. Uh, we'll try and get that person in touch with you directly. Maybe you can help them. I know you did it before for us uh, on one specific case. So thank you very much. And as I say, if we do ever do a property program, I think we'd fill an easy three hours, nine to 12, with so many questions coming in yeah. and so many people trying to navigate through the grants and not knowing what's available. Um, and it's it really does behove everyone to be in charge of all of the information because that house could be within your reach and you don't know it. Correct, yeah. All right. Thanks, Joey. Thanks, That's Mick. Thank jo- you very much. Bye-bye. Joey Bye-bye. Shane, their mortgage expert uh, at mymortgages.ie. Now then, let's give uh, a few mentions for our Monday munchies and see who might be getting uh, some of the offbeat donuts from French Church Street delivered by the Red Patrollers. We're delivering up to five boxes to a business every Monday. That's 60 donuts. Uh, Texter says, would you please drop at least one box up to Singing Keith up in that pub supporting the girls in green. Liam here from ML Scaffolding Services. Can we please put ourselves in for Monday munchies working on the other Murnan and O'Shea site in Ballancourt. We've loads of hungry lads on site. We could really do uh, with being picked for lunch. Morning, mate. We'd really love some donuts. We deserve all these yummy donuts as we're a great old bunch of people. We are out here in ILC Dover in Blarney. Karen and her colleagues at the pharmacy department in the South Infirmary Victoria Hospital would love to share some donuts. Just needing a sugar boost today. The 2D Ward in Cork University Hospital would love donuts, says Donna Murray. Damien with Foley's Plumbing here in Toker. We'd love the donuts. We'd love the donuts as well. We've two lovely girls after starting. It would be a great way to start the week, says Moraid from Specsavers in Mallow. I think Broderick's chemist on Barrack Street deserves the donuts because they've had to endure work without me while on, I'm on maternity leave. Big shout out to Carmel and Quinny. O'Connell's Butchers in the Lock, please, for Monday Munchies. We could do with a sugar rush and Monday Munchies for the 14 hungry plumbers in Bishopstown. That's from Aaron Butcher. Keep those uh, texts coming in or WhatsApps to 0868104106 and a random selection of donuts uh, will include red velvet, toffee crispy, peanut butter cup, hazelnut rocher, salted caramel pecan, the classic glaze, and many, many more with offbeats uh, donuts in French Church Street. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106 Red FM. And finishing with a little bit of colour and uh, a good news story with uh, Dr. Nick Flynn, uh, um, often contributor to the programme, but Dr. Nick Flynn has bought a pub. He's bought the Ore Bar in Crosshaven. Good morning, Dr. Nick. Good morning, Nick. How are you? I'm good. It's, uh, I won't say a radical departure. It's obviously a good investment move for you. Uh, of course, the Ore, uh, made famous by, by a JP English, who we'll talk to in a moment, is across from the, uh, the Hugh Coveney Pier. It's not many pubs have proximity to... Uh, um, a pontoon such as that for access from the water. Uh, and of course, it's the first pub after the Royal Cork you meet as you uh, make your way into Crosshaven. What made you choose the pub and the location? Uh, I suppose the location, first of all, is because it's, it's in Crosshaven, the village. Like, you know, I've gone to become very, very fond of. I trained as a GP in Crosshaven with doctors John Murphy and um, uh, Larry Martin there. Uh, over the over the pharmacy, probably twenty years ago this year, actually, and uh, so I spent one lovely year training there. Uh, I came back to live in the, the village about five years ago, um, living the Camden Road. Very lucky to have a view out over the Onabri River, and I can see the pub. You from, can see the pub from, from my house, house, can you? And, I, and I've, look, <laughs> I, I've been looking across it for the last five years. Uh, I've enjoyed quite a few evenings there socially, and you know when it when it came. For sale, and when I visited the, the pub, Nick, I mean, it's a, it's a fabulous premises. JP has like established a great business there, and uh, 
when you look out the window, ground floor and second floor especially, you can see like across the, 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 the harbour, you can see the, across the river to Corabini. I don't the think there's floor. a better view from any first floor restaurant than the, uh, it's all glass. And it's up and down the river, up to the Royal Cork, over to Visas Marina. You can even see Cove from there. It's an incredible view, and you obviously have plans for that view, do you? Yeah, absolutely. So, 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 like JP, as I say, over the last ten years, has built up a great reputation within the village, and we plan to build on that, and hopefully build on the food offering as well. So, we'll be hoping that we. Uh, develop a really, really nice pub restaurant there with a very, very good reputation where hopefully we we'll have lots of people from Crosshaven themselves coming, but hopefully people from Douglas, Carrigaline and the city and maybe further afield might consider us as their you know, Sunday lunch or Saturday evening, Friday night uh, destination. So we're looking forward to all of that good stuff and uh, as I say, becoming, I mean, reading the, the social media uh, farewells to, to JP is quite daunting. You know, he's passing over the mantle. He's really uh, has been part of the village and part of the community and we're looking forward to He like, joins us, he joins us on the line actually. Yeah. JP, you there? Yeah. Hello, JP? Oh, don't have him there. Maybe we can uh, doesn't seem to be on. Yeah. Okay, no, we'll, we'll, get to him, we'll get to him in a moment. Um, yeah. So, uh, I did read in the papers that you, you intend to, to, steady as she goes, pardon the uh, maritime parlance now, steady as she goes for the yeah. moment and, and then you, you, have, uh, you have a rebrand coming. Yeah, so so probably it'll be early next year, probably January, February time, uh, probably February to be fair, and uh, we'll have a, a rebrand with the with, with, with moving towards the food offering. In, in, in fairness, make, we want to be careful uh, because it is a, a very successful business and it is very popular locally, and we want to change things uh, slowly so that we if we get something wrong, we can we will rely on the championship. I'm sure we will, right? Uh, that we that, that we that, that we can that we can fix that. Okay, I've, uh, I've figured out how to talk to JP, Doctor Nick. JP, welcome. Okay. How are you, Mick? I'm good. How are you, Nick? <laughs> JP, Mick Nick. how are you? <laughs> Mick, he sounds too happy. <laughs> J- JP I'm and I are... I'm cleaning the floor for you, Nick. I'm cleaning up after last night. We made a bit of a mess. We'll be down at two o'clock. It better be ready. <laughs> JP and I both grew up on uh, on East Hill and Cove, so we would have been former schoolmates. And I I used to love going to the Orr. Uh, the proximity to the pier and uh, just, uh, you know, what, what you, I, I remember officiating at the opening of that pub as the Moonduster. Uh, and what JP did to it transformed it radically. It's almost like a Newport Rhode Island pub, JP. Would I be right? I got a great interior designer, and she did a fantastic job, uh, Mary Murphy. Uh, she picked the colours for me. I would never have figured it out. And uh, I went with her vision, and I'm delighted with it. And it certainly has a New England feel to it, yes. Yeah, okay. And, and the plans are to develop on that, on, on that brand. Uh, maybe not. Do I get the impression maybe the ore might be about to be shipped and a new name might come along, Doctor Nick? Yeah, we're, 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 we're considering that. We be careful because I mean, any any change of brand. I mean, the ore has got fantastic reputation itself, but we want to uh, get our feet under the table, and we probably are looking at, at, at a change at a change of brand. But certainly, the, the interior decor and stuff, it'll, there'll, be, there'll be minor changes there. I mean, it, it works really well. And as you say, that that first floor, you have to be careful that you don't do anything. All, all you could risk doing that is actually ruining it so we won't be doing much there because it's such an amazing space like really and truly and uh, you know the, 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 I suppose as JP said the designer that he had has done a really really good job and a really good job downstairs as well actually and, and, and JP in fairness has been fabulous we're very very happy that we're being left with the boom from the moon duster uh, that's like that's a bit, bit of a cork heritage in fairness and that'll be certainly a centrepiece there's a lot of know. signed oars in there I say JP might be taken with him 
there's a lot of people in the village looking for their oars back but they'll have to talk to Nick because they're Nick's oars now we, we, we can discuss that over a few minutes tell them when they come in exactly when, when are you finishing up JP when are you officially no longer the owner uh, we hand the keys over on Friday okay and you're giving out free drink until then are you there's no drink left I drank it all last night <laughs> Well, we wish you both the very best um, as you pass the mantle on from uh, from JP English, uh, of course, a member of the reputable Cove Savingly Sailing family. Eddie's still plying his trade with uh, with Sail Cork, uh, and then the late Joe, uh, and of course Dennis, who has also passed on. Kind of sad times with two brothers gone, two left JP, but uh, always to the fore in, in the in the sailing community, the English family, and fond memories of your mum, uh, Mrs E, and all of her collections for the for the RNLI over the years as well. Nick, Nick, very much. before we go, a very quick thanks to Sam Kingston for, uh, for, for, for his support and help during, during, during the, the process that we're, when we're buying it. And also the lads and lassies in orbit as Nick, Speck and Paula. They're fantastic from an eagle point of view. And thanks very much there to JP. JP, you've been great over the last couple of weeks. We really, really appreciate it. And thanks to the customers. I mean, look forward to welcoming you back when JP is gone. Cheeky question thanks for you, Dr. Nick. Weren't, weren't you yeah. an advocate of reducing alcohol consumption when you were in A&E? Are you going to limit <laughs> consumption in the ore or just advise that people uh, drink sensibly? Well, well, I think society is changing in fairness, and we, well, we fully intend to have a good selection of copies of zeros and of good quality alcohol as well, of course. But you know, I think the focus will be on the, on, on, on the food and drink size, Nick. And you're and you're quite right. Uh, in, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm sticking to the knitting, so I'm, I'm, my, my main job is still. <laughs> you won't be pulling points. So. All right. I won't be, I won't be pulling points. Nick and JP, the very best of luck. And regards to uh, your lovely wife, Eleanor, JP, as you head Bantry Way. Uh, have a happy semi-retirement, I imagine. Thank you. All the best. Thanks. Cheers, bye-bye. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks. Bye-bye. cheers, Dr. Nick. Uh, Dr. Nick Flynn, new owner of the Ore, with uh, current and soon-to-be former owner of the Ore Bar, JP English. Patricia Nolan here. I work in Woodview Family Doctors in Glanmire. We would love some donuts as it's a Monday. We're working very hard and we love Red FM. Hi, Mick. Can I recommend Dennis and all the staff here in Garrettstown House campsite in Kinsale? We're here on our holidays and we can't praise the staff here enough. They go above and beyond everything. I think a little treat for them today would be bliss. Please put forward all the doctors, nurses and staff at the Rapid Prostate Cancer Clinic. CUH for free donuts today. They, if anyone, deserve a treat for all the fantastic work they do. Uh, some more. We can't get around to everybody. We at Cope Transport in Montanati would love a sweet treat this morning, especially Sean and all the gang. We have plenty here to share them out with. Now we've uh, done the random selection on computer and our Monday Munchies winner is Karen and her colleagues at the pharmacy department in the South Infirmary Victoria Hospital. They'd love to share out some donuts and they need a sugar boost today. My thanks to the Neil Prendable Show production team, Kevin Galvin, Seamus Wheelahan and uh, Claire O'Connor. We have loads uh, more to get to tomorrow uh, but well done on the offbeat donuts to our Monday Munchies winner, Karen and colleagues at the pharmacy department in the South Infirmary. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.